Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of June 2022. Uh, I hope that you're doing well out there. Uh, joining me in digital land today, we're going to go through uh, a number of things today. We'll probably be here a, a few hours live streaming, taking questions, talking about the astrology of June. We're going to talk about the lunations in June, the full and new moons, the quarter moons. Um, we're going to go over all of the solar phases that we're going to see ingresses of various planets, moon out of bounds. Uh, we're going to talk decans and tarot today. So I thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you are joining me here today, please leave me a message in this chat box. If you or if you're joining after the fact, leave me a comment in the comments section. Do me a quick favor if you're around today, please hit that like button and subscribe. If you are new to the channel. I'm checking in on the chat and seeing some some good friends here today. Manuela is here from Sweden, place of stillness. Hello, my friend. Sherilyn is joining us from Oregon. Welcome, Sherilyn. Andrea is here from Croatia. Uh, good to see you again, my friend. Taria is here asking how my Mercury is doing. <laughs> How's my Mercury doing? We'll get into that. Um, and Lynn is stopping in from Vermont. So happy to see all my friends here again. It's always such a joy to see everyone and to um, have people joining us from all corners of the globe. That's one of the things that I think I appreciate most about this channel is how, how diverse this group is and um, all the different experiences of the people that we have joining us from all over the world. So um, it's always great to see that. All right, so people ask me, how, how's your Mercury doing? Well, um, we're coming off eclipse season here. We had that big eclipse, that big angular eclipse for our, us fixed signs. Um, if you have a fixed rising sign, such as myself, as a Leo rising, um, you probably got tossed about quite a bit over the last few weeks and you're trying to catch your breath with some, some big changes, potentially. Some big changes with the foundations of our life too. So I think we're coming off of that, that maybe challenging experience that many of us have had. Uh, I had a really great talk with another a fantastic astrologer, S.J. Anderson. And I would highly recommend checking out that talk that we had that's uh, on our channel. It's it's for the full moon in Scorpio lunar eclipse, and you can find that on my channel. Um, just a couple other business things before we, we dive into like thoughts and everything. I do have a Deccan's webinar coming up on uh, July the 11th, I'm sorry, June, June the 11th. See, Hermes is trying to get me already. Deccan's of Gemini, um, June the 11th, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. You can, there's a link for that in the description of this video. Uh, you can get 20% off of the Deccan's of Gemini using the code GEMINI20. Um, and that will be good until the, the 1st of June. So you can get that 20% off off of Gemini, or if you want to get the previous Decans of Spring webinars, which include Aries and Taurus, the recordings sent to you, you can get a little bit of a discount if you want to bundle all those together. So check that out. Very much looking forward to seeing all of you there. Gemini is a really interesting, uh, really interesting uh, sign or image uh, that I think is very misunderstood in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about that. We'll give you a preview of that today, um, but for the big deep dive, please join me for that. Um, People are asking me about uh, uh, the book book club that I've been kind of musing about, <laughs> and I'm definitely thinking about it. Uh, I, I have a I have an idea. I'm just been inundated with some big life changes 
Um, for those of you who have been kind of following along, we did close on our house last week, and that was really exciting, and been kind of dealing with um, all of the things that go along with, with home ownership and dealing with all the new responsibilities associated with that. So thank you for your patience with uh, the book club stuff. Uh, I'm just ready for my life to calm down just a little bit and, uh, you know, see what the new rhythm is. And once we figure out that new rhythm, then we'll be able to start some new things as well. So I, I really appreciate all of you who've reached out to me to that. I think it's a great idea. I, I want to build community with that and it's coming. So be patient. Um, thank you so much, Autumn, for the super chat. This is another feature that you can do if you want to support the channel today. There's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super sticker or a super chat. And those donations will go directly into keeping the lights on at this house, um, all of the maintenance equipment that you need to do to actually mow a lawn or something. This is kind of the first time I've, I've had to do anything like that. So, uh, And of course, books for the Astro Library that I will read and then hopefully share some interesting insights with all of you. Um, so thank you for that, Autumn. I really appreciate your support. We've got a couple other people joining in here. We've got uh, Faye joining us. Hello, Faye. Nice to see you. Uh, Autumn is here from Michigan. Um, Lynn is saying, no hurry on the book club. Just got the book. Yeah, that's one thing you can do in the meantime. Uh, I know for some people, uh, ordering that has had some challenges of its own, like getting it to your specific location. But one thing you can do between now and when that gets announced is order Demetra George's um, Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice Volume 2. Um, I would highly recommend getting Volume 1 if you don't have that one as well, but I think we're going to start with, with Volume 2, which talks a lot about the houses in astrology, and it's just a really great, great book, and it'd be great to do that reading with all of you. Uh, Gudrun is joining us from India. Welcome, my friend. This is a new name that I've seen. I'm always happy to see new folks stopping by. Uh, and Tarya says, I don't even have the book yet, so please no hurry. And uh, yeah, for, for those of you, uh, we've got a couple different um, factions in our group here. We've got the Virgo people that are like, we want to do this now. <laughs> they're very mercurial and they're ready to start studying. Then uh, there's a, another kind of a Taurus y type of. Um, people that are <laughs> that support this channel. I think, you know, I've got some a Virgo stellium, but also a Taurus moon. So uh, the Taurus moon generally wins out as far as like uh, the pace that, that I usually do things at. So I appreciate your patience with all that. Um, okay. So thank you so much. I think we've got most of the business out of the way here. Again, I wanted to really thank all of you for your support through all these uh, challenging times that we've been going through. And I hope that you're doing well out there. And I hope that today's, um, you know, offering today will bring you some peace, maybe give you some actionable things to do or, or to not do. You know, sometimes we, we want to be able to do things and other times we need to learn to just go with the flow. So that might be something that uh, hopefully I can offer to you today, some kind of peace of mind. Um, EK is actually asking which book. Uh, we're talking today, EK or Beth, about the book club that we are have in process that is percolating for the Spencer Michaud Astrology channel, where uh, the idea I have is I would like to get together with a group of you and read an, an astrologically significant or divination book and just discuss it and just have a nice discussion. So that is in process. Uh, the first thing that I, I was thinking of doing was one of Demetra George's ancient astrology books, which I find um, is a really great resource and worth um, working on together. Um, and Wheela, thank you so much for the super sticker. I really appreciate it. Uh, that really means a lot to me. I really appreciate all of your support out there. All right, friends. So like I said, hopefully you're, you've survived eclipse season. 
Hopefully the changes that have taken place haven't shaken you up too much. I know that part of that eclipse was really like shaking us to some of our fundamental foundations, um, you know, about how we support ourselves, about maybe how we work with others as well. So some of these, these things we're still um, parsing out. We're still figuring out what's the new routine, you know? Whenever we go through eclipses, they're big wild cards and they make big changes in our lives and we feel a little bit destabilized. And when we have one on the Taurus and Scorpio axis, that can be especially destabilizing because a lot of times we, we rely on those Taurus things for stability. And some of those things were either passing out of our lives or shaken up so that we need a, a new routine to get us out of our rut. So that's something we're still moving through as we move from May into June. Now we've begun this month, uh, starting with the sun in Gemini. So we, we've moved out of some of the eclipse energy and we're starting to see the possibilities from what we are building or, or the new challenges that we have to building security and stability. And a lot of times when planets are moving through Gemini, we, we, we try to diversify our interests. We, uh, you know, we don't put all our eggs in one basket and we explore a little bit. So I think June on some level is a, is a month of exploration. I think it's also about trying to bring things back to center where we, you know, we, like I said, some of our, our fundamental foundations got shaken up. So how do we restore balance to those things and figure out what the new narrative is going to be moving forward? We've got a lot of great comments coming in. So I'm going to check this chat box here. Henry is, is saying hello to everyone. Hello, Henry. Uh, Manuela is saying, looking forward to the book club. The sticker is a, a cup of hot cocoa, of course. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Um, uh, and Harrison or Henry says that he is he has been shook up by these eclipses. CCJ is here says yes the eclipse was so hard I haven't made a decision. That's a really great point. Uh, you know we are going to have to face some choices. Sometimes eclipses will bring us to uh, inflection points where we have to make a choice that may be a difficult choice. And I think Gemini season is a place to kind of you know look at all the different possibilities before committing to something and that's one thing I've, I've been looking at with my research with the decans of gemini is that you know there's some stories and myths involved with gemini and its relationship to the 12th house in the thema mundi which is kind of the time before birth uh the time before incarnating into a body a place of kind of pregnancy and i think that gemini is sort of a place of pregnant possibilities and the myth of Ur, just this a very short version of this that I will talk about more on Friday. I'm going to have another live stream on Friday to talk about the new moon in Gemini uh, with, a, with a guest uh, that I'm really excited about that all of you should join me for. Her name is Stephanie Warner. She's an, an amazing, amazing writer. And um, we're going to talk about this in depth. But the basics with the myth of Ur is just that it's sort of this time where you are weighing and choosing the lot that you are going to experience in life, both the positive and the negatives. And sometimes there's a lot of pressure and anxiety that come with knowledge of what you're, what all you're, you're signing up for. And I think there's some anxiety with that, this, this kind of time before committing to something. Now, I wanted to say, and this is, I think, something that can help us, is throughout this, this um, exploration phase, we always have to keep in mind that there are going to be some dualities, right? That we can't always reconcile. There's going to be things that are pulling us in different directions that aren't always able to be completely reconciled. And, and ultimately, uh, through my research, I've seen that in Gemini, you have to make a choice. So it's not just about keeping all of your possibilities open. It's about exploring 
figuring out which possibility you want to nurture into full fruition and then eliminating the, the other possibilities. So we'll, we'll explore that when we look at the transition between Gemini 1, 2, and 3. We're going to talk mostly about Gemini 2, Gemini 3, and then beginning of Cancer deck in 1 today. So keep that in mind, that as you go through this exploration process, you don't have to keep all of these possibilities afloat. You should be as objective as you can and ask questions, ask really good questions. But ultimately, there's going to be a choice, a decision. Ultimately, you're going to have to choose one of those lots and infuse that into a body and nurture it to full fruition. Eventually, you're going to have to sacrifice one of the twins, like we see in Castor and Pollux, or sacrifice some of your own life force to breathe life into something that's important to you. That's, I think that's another part of breaking down Gemini's. What is really important to you and what are you willing to give up to, to uh, bring it to, to life? Okay, so does that kind of give you some, some ideas about what we're looking for in, in June here and how to maybe navigate Gemini season with grace? We'll, we'll talk about this more as a group here. Uh, I'm looking at the chat. Raven is stopping in. Hello, Raven. Nice to see you. Uh, Andrea says, I, I, talking to CCJ, I hear you. This was a super hard eclipse for me. I'm glad uh, having this astral weather knowledge so it is a bit easier. That, that's a great point with, with having this astrology uh, wisdom. This can help us kind of prepare a little bit mentally and emotionally. It can make the, the transition process a little bit easier. Rachel is stopping in. Hello, Rachel. Nice to see you. Uh, Aaron is here. Aaron says, Scorpio is in my second at the mechanic for an oil change and turns out my car needs an additional $1,500 worth of work. Well, Aaron, uh, you and I are in the same boat today because one of our vehicles in this household is uh, getting a brake job and a muffler replaced and it's about $1,400 or $1,500 too. So I feel your pain and uh, th this is a Mercury retrograde type of story, right? Getting, getting the vehicle repaired so that we can uh, keep on moving and keep on traveling to our destinations, right? Um, CCJ says, I'm not, sh I was so sure which path I was going to take. And then the Scorpio eclipse Saturn square completely put me into tears. Still trying to figure it out. Have to decide by Wednesday. Okay. So yeah, there's, there's all been all sorts of challenging choices because that eclipse was a, a T square. It wasn't only an opposition between the sun and the moon. It was squared Saturn and Aquarius. So there was a, there's difficult choices that are coming in that require sobriety and a sense of responsibility. Uh, Lynn is saying, I have to choose. Damn. Yes, eventually we do have to choose. Uh, D is here. Hello, D. Hello from across the pond. Nice to see you here as well. Um, yes, we've got a lot of comments talking about the difficulty of decisions and the timing that's coming in with that. Um, some other people talking about car problems. Um, yes, hopefully we will get some clarity today. I, I do have an I Ching reading and an animal uh, of, the, of the month for you as well. So by, by integrating all of those div divinatory systems, hopefully we'll find something that will give us some peace and some actionable things to do. So one thing I wanted to do before we dive into the nitty gritty here is I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview. I think we've been doing that in an emotional way, um, but we also have some big picture thoughts about the, some of the timing and the dates. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this down, this forecast today into three different sections, three different decanic sections. So we're going to talk about Gemini 2, which goes from June 1st to June the 10th, Gemini 3, okay, and I'll show you what we're dealing with here. We've got Gemini 2, which is the 9, 
of sorts. It looks like a little bit of an ominous card. All the cards in Gemini are pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty difficult. We've got the Gemini 3, which is the 10 of swords, another, another very um, ominous looking uh, card. But we've got some great uh, card slingers in the chat here today. And I have some thoughts on it. And we probably have some good contributions coming with that as well. And then we've got Cancer 1, which is the 2 of cups. So I'll try to give you the a balanced perspective on those cards if I can. Um, Cookerzilla is here. Hello. says, hello, yo, Spencer, do you think Gemini Sun is going to propel Jupiter and Mars activity? It's certainly a possibility. I mean, they are communicating with one another. Um, we, we will, when we look at the, the chart of the moment here, we're going to see that Jupiter and Mars are coming together or have come together in, in the first degrees of Aries and the, the, the Gemini sun is kind of making a sextile to that, feeding air to that fire and giving it fuel. So yes, I think that's a good observation. Uh, Remco is joining us here from the Netherlands. Hello, Remco. Um, okay, so breaking it down in decans, we're going to have four lunation cycles that I like to track. I mean, you can think about it as an eightfold cycle, fourfold cycle. There's a number of ways to split it up, but I'm going to split it up into the first quarter moon that we're going to see on the 7th of June. We're going to have a full moon at 23 degrees of Sagittarius on the 14th of June. We're going to have a last quarter at 29 degrees of Pisces on June the 20th. And then a new moon in the first decan of Cancer at seven degrees of Cancer on the 28th of June. Uh, ingresses this month, Mercury is going to be moving back into Gemini. Uh, we saw last month uh, that Mercury moved into Gemini, uh, stationed retrograde, and then backed into Taurus as of today. So we had a little taste of Gemini, and I don't know about all of you, but when that little taste of Gemini was like, oh my God, there's so many things coming at me from all directions, like so many uh, responsibilities, so many choices, so many decisions that were um, being asked to be made, new decisions that, that take research, that take exploration and take time to, to work out. So uh, you've probably been feeling that as well on some level uh, over the last, I would say, week or so. And then now we're having Mercury moving back into Taurus, third decade of Taurus, to maybe rethink some of the challenges that we've been going through if we've made any mistakes along the way of these new things that we're trying to manifest. Um, the third decan of Taurus is sort of about repentant prayer. Uh, so if we did anything rashly, we may have to go back and fix something like like we have a bunch of us have our cars in the shop and it wasn't necessarily our faults or anything as long as we were keeping up with the maintenance or changing our oil or whatever. But sometimes shit just happens, right? So uh, repairing things, I think, is important with Mercury retrograding back into Taurus 3 on some level. Yeah, Cookerzilla says, that taste of Gemini makes me feel like it's going to be an ultra-loaded season. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, another Tanya is joining us today. Hello from Mesa, Arizona. Transit Saturn is conjoined my ascendant ruler, Mercury in Gemini, zero degrees rising, feeling it and appreciating the cosmic weather. Thank you. Well, Tanya, you got a face full of Mercury over this last week with the Kazemi that we had, the Mercury Kazemi at zero degrees of Gemini uh, last week. I'm sure that there were some interesting downloads that were happening as Mercury was getting renewed in the heart of the sun. Um, Henry says, really, the ongoing eighth house pileup in Aries for me is shocking, to say the least, with recent Mercury retrograde. Shout out to the Leo Risings. My chart is on the fritz. Well, Henry, I am a fellow Leo Rising um, here with you. So uh, yes, we're feeling it. Okay, 
So Mercury is going to move into back into Gemini on June the 13th. The sun is going to ingress into Cancer for our summer solstice on June the 21st. So that's when the sun is at its peak uh, declination in the sky, and then it reverses course and starts to descend and get low, rise lower in the sky each day. So the days start to get shorter. So that is the longest day of the year, the summer solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. On the 22nd of June, we will see Venus move into Gemini as well. We're starting the month off with Venus and Taurus, which is kind of nice. So that'll, that'll be really nice. As I'm recording it, it's still, as I'm recording this, this live stream today, it's still in Aries, but I'm very much looking forward to Venus and Taurus season. A few solar phases that I wanted to alert you all to this month. Solar phases are anytime a planet is making a significant relationship, either conjunction or an appearance outside of the beams of the sun. Uh, we have Mercury emerging as the morning star at 26 degrees of Taurus. That's the degree where it is turning direct as well on the 3rd of June at 26 Taurus. This is our eclipse degree. So uh, right very close to that fixed star Algol that we've been talking about. And you can get a, a kind of a some more information on Algol in that talk I did with SJ Anderson recently. Um, we are also going to be seeing uh, Saturn stationing retrograde at 25 degrees of, of Aquarius. So we may be reviewing some of the responsibilities that we've acquired over this last cycle, uh, and especially reviewing our uh, the, the necessity to untie some of the old karmic knots. That decan was called the knot in Austin Coppock's 36 faces. So there may be some, some frustration about our old narratives and our old limiting beliefs that we're having to really let go of, and there's going to be some review with that starting at the beginning of the month. We also have Neptune stationing retrograde on the 28th of June at 25 degrees of Pisces. So maybe reviewing the dream and saying, well, what have we sacrificed for this dream that we've been doing? I know that in our household, we've, we've done some heavy lifting trying to have this dream of um, staying in the house that we've been in for over a decade. I mean, this is the thing, like, I think I've been telling people about our, our house kind of odyssey and Really, it's just been a lot of heavy lifting just to be able to stay where we're at. This is a very Taurus type of thing. Um, but it's different. It's different when you're living somewhere and you've rented for a while and then you uh, are responsible for that space. And there's just a little bit of a different energy that goes along with it. So uh, a lot of changes and a lot of, a lot of um, figuring out what, what to do to make the dream a reality. And I'm sure that that's happening for, for all of you in some area of your life, as we saw a really huge stack up in Pisces, and especially that third decan of Pisces, which really reflects some of that, those idealistic visions with the 10 of cups, with the, the rainbow here, this kind of happy little family. Um, and it's, it's temporary. You know, <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you, you achieve the dream, the next, you wake up the next day and you're like, Oh, wow, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not over. It's all, then the work really begins, right? So uh, that's sort of a phase I think we're going through now with all of the planets moving into Aries and saying, hey, it's time to take action now. Maybe you've achieved something significant, but now the real work begins. How can you sustain it? How can you keep it real? Um, how can you uh, have good maintenance, right? Maintenance of that dream. Okay, so those are our solar phases that we're going to see in June. And then one thing I've been adding in with these monthly forecasts is the, the out-of-bounds moon, which I will tell you, I've really been feeling that lately. We, we had one late last week, and uh, from about Tuesday to Friday last week, I, I don't know if any of you really felt that, but it was, it was an extra emotional time in our household. And you can just feel your, 
your emotions and your body swinging in wide variances. Um, we've had some health challenges in our household with some folks in my household here that required some uh, some ER visits. So, you know, this, that was during moon out of bounds time. Um, so I'm, I want to alert you to those periods in June where we had uh, June, June 1st through the 4th, the moon will be out of bounds. And really what that means is the moon is going to be moving outside of the normal declination path of the sun, which is 23 degrees and 36 minutes. So if you see that, that any planet moving further north declination, now there's, there's astrological longitude and astrological latitude. And the degrees we talk about in the zodiac are one type of way of measuring uh, the, the placement of a planet. But this declination is how far above or below the ecliptic it is. And in ancient astrology, they thought of that as the, the kind of the realm or the kingdom of the sun. And because that was the, the sun, the, the path that the sun traced over uh, various times of the year. It doesn't go any further north or south of the ecliptic than 2336. So when the moon is out of that, that range, it's kind of on its own. It's not under the, uh, <laughs> the rule of the, of the king anymore. So some astrologers think of it as a maverick planet, um, an, an extreme, the planet going to extremes. Also, uh, a p- more pure expression of that, where you may be doing things that are maybe outside of the, the normal expectations of a society. So like when the moon's out of balance, our, our emotions may be vacillating to wider extremes than they normally would. And we may be feeling things a little bit deeper. Or we may have some emotional outbursts or something like that that are, maybe have been pent up and maybe necessary to express. But uh, June 1st through the 4th, usually the moon will stay out of bounds for about three to four days when it does this. I'm noticing as, the, as I study this more. We'll also see the moon moving out of bounds from June the 13th through the 17th, and then June 26th through July the 1st. So keep an eye on that. Give yourself some extra uh, patience and time and the people around you as well when those times are happening as well. Uh, let me take a look at the chat here. Um, Raven says Gemini is in my second and I have all kinds of art markets lined up for the next few weeks. I love when astrology astrologizes. All right. So you're going to be hawking your wares with Gemini. Yeah. Mercury or Hermes was, you know, definitely one of the patron saints or patron deities of uh, merchants. So it's all about exchanges, exchanges of goods, finding uh, your goods, finding the the home that they need and exchange of resources. So um, that, that's going to be some some nice action for you there, Raven. Um, Nat is checking in. Hello, Nat. I'm waving back at you. Hello. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Henry says, that's interesting. I noticed the health issues coming up then. Yeah, that could be a moon out of bounds thing where the body, the moon related to the body, where the body's like, I just don't feel right. I'm just not, you know, in my regular routine. And there's something in the body that's kind of out of whack. So that's another thing to keep an eye on if you feel tired or give yourself some extra grace around those periods of time. Um, Andrea says, same, health is up and down. And that's super weird for me since I'm very vital plus emo, emotional swings. Exactly. So another thing to put in your astrological toolkit is moon, especially out of bounds and how it relates to your body, your health, your emotional well-being, your intuition, 
Um, and then, you know, if you can plan for those times, you can give yourself some extra space with that. I wouldn't get overly concerned with it. I mean, it happens, you know, roughly three times a month here, it looks like. So it's fairly common. Um, other planets go out of bounds as well. And sometimes we can really feel that uh, significantly as well. Um, yeah, Remco says this makes sense in retrospect. Yeah, we've got a lot of people saying that this is uh, something they've been feeling been a bit wonky after COVID. Oh, I'm sorry, Renko. I know this is, it's a lot to process. D is saying Gemini's in my 12th housing Saturn should be fun. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, that it is, that is the natural house in the theme of Monday for Gemini. So um, some of the talk today, hopefully will be helpful D in, in finding ways to, to deal with that energy. Um, okay. All right, friends, any questions before we get moving and start diving into it? I, I've got the overview here. The animal that we're going to be dealing with today is the goose, which I thought was uh, very interesting, especially for the beginning of cancer season. Uh, gooses are very um, family orientated, very protective. They mate for life. We're going to talk about that as we move into the cancer portion of the show. But I think that a lot of us are trying to figure out what our what our domestic foundations look like after being shaken up by that eclipse and how we restore balance to that. So we're going to talk about the goose at the end today. Um, we are going to do a, an I Ching hexagram. Um, just a preview of that, we had hexagram number 28 moving to 43, which talks about feeling the weight of excess, you know, like so many decisions to make. And how are we going to, you know, lower this heavy, heavy roof onto uh, a, a new house or something like that? There's a, some themes of a pole that holds a ridge pole that holds up the, the roof of the house and it's sagging. So we may be sagging under all this weight. And, you know, we're moving to resolution, which is like, it's time to make a decision. It's time to commit to something. And that is in alignment, I think, with our Gemini transition to cancer as well. Okay. So I'm going to start out in the period of time from June the 1st to June the 10th. And I am going to show you the tarot card that's associated with the second 10 degree section of Gemini. So we're looking at this, the time when the sun is moving through 10 to 20 degrees of Gemini. And here we see the nine of swords. And we have this figure that's kind of having this nightmare, this existential crisis. Swords in the tarot were associated with air. They were associated with the, the, the world of the mind, with thoughts. Um, Austin Kappa calls this Deccan the, the hermaphrodite because there is a daimon or spirit associated with it. Um, I believe it's pronounced Sibylle. Um, who was born with both male and female um, genitalia and then eventually was cleaved in half and had to go through this narrative and story to find uh, their lost self, their lost half. Um, so that th this is about trying to deal with dualities here. T. Susan Chang calls this Deccan angels and demons. It is a Mars ruled Deccan in the descending Chaldean order and in Venus in the triplicity system. So the balance of Mars and Venus here, which reflects that that name that Austin Kopic applied to this deck in. Book T and, and the Book of Toth uh, have a different take. They call it despair and Lord of Despair and Cruelty and, and just cruelty in the, the Book of Toth. And, and this was sort of explained a little bit about sometimes when we have internal contradictions, um, we can externalize those, right? We can, if we're fighting with ourselves, if we're at war with ourselves, like you can see in the bottom of this card, there's a battle. Uh, 
sometimes it can be easy to 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 utilize those words externally and have kind of a sharp tongue. One way to think of these decans and the the planet that rules them so you can kind of say like, well, second decan Gemini is kind of like Mars and Gemini, using words as or thoughts as weapons, whether you're fighting yourself and trying to, to say, oh, I've got this anxiety about this decision that I have to make. Um, T. Susan Chang always has a great way of summarizing the transition from one decan to another. And in this, this particular series with Gemini, she talks about frustration that comes from the first decan. Uh, anxiety that comes from, you know, all these choices that we feel paralyzed to deal with. And then eventually we, we collapse under the weight of those choices. And one of them has to, we have to let go of some of them because we can't really keep all the plates spinning. So when we start out the month, we're probably going to be in this phase where we've dealt with a, a, an explosion of options. Think about it sort of like the description of this video I have a, 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 a thumbnail with a, a bee that's pollinating flowers. Think about yourselves as a bee that's going and, and exploring one one flower, you know, picking up little bits of information and then, you know, collecting them, bringing them back to the hive to create something though, to create honey, to create food for the nest. Um, so there's a little bit of travel involved with that. Um, I think that, you know, this is a that's something our neighborhood's participating in. I don't know if all of you have uh, heard about this, but there was a Nomo May that was uh, trying to be enacted in our area of Michigan, Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti, Michigan, where people were letting their their flowers um, grow in their yard and helping the bees out with pollinator habitats and things like that. So it's been really neat to see these big shaggy yards uh, around uh, and these flowers growing. But think about Gemini season sort of like that, where we're pollinating and exploring and collecting information, little bits and pieces. So when we look at second decan, you know, we are trying to, we're, we're aware of all the possibilities and we're, we're weighing them in our mind. Imagine we're in the, the myth of Ur and we've, we've, we have a handful of lives that we could choose. And we know the pains and the sorrows, but also the joys and the blessings that each of them contain. So we're going to have to reconcile what is worth it to us and what isn't. And that's, that can lead to a lot of sleepless nights. I think also if you have some prominent placements in this, um, this deck, and I have Venus in this deck, and uh, I try to unify all these things. That's what Venus is trying to do in my chart is how can you bring together uh, opposing viewpoints? Um, but you may have some some sleepless nights. Like this is the the nightmare card, they call it on some level too. Like, uh, a lot of times it is hard to shut your brain off when you're when you're chewing on these things and you're weighing and balancing and thinking about all the possibilities. Um, there's nothing like, um, you know, a new new set of domestic responsibilities to get your your mind churning. Um, so I hope that all of you are uh, dealing with the choices that are in front of you with with grace as well. OK, let's see what we've got in the chat. Cookerzilla says, made a plethora of creative technology investments. All right, well, Gemini, right? Uh, Henry says, this that card has the zodiac in the quilt print as well. I think it's about not letting the mind create all-consuming monsters, people who know too much. That's a great observation. Um, I think, yes, th there is a, a tendency sometimes to want to, you know, <laughs> explore too many possibilities. I, 
I am guilty of this with Jupiter and Virgo sometimes squaring that that Venus and Gemini of wanting to bring in so many details that we lose track of the the big bigger picture of what we're doing and that's really been testing me lately when you have big changes in your life whether it's professionally or with your family or with your body or with whatever it is there's so many micro decisions that have to be made and if you have strong mercurial placements like Virgo and Gemini in your chart um, that can lead to just this monomania on some level where you're uh, you've got so many little decisions and you want to make sure you're doing everything exactly right uh, and sometimes you just have to say this is good enough <laughs> like I'm gonna move on to the next thing and be in the moment right and I think that moment awareness can really help us through some of these challenging periods of time okay so that's kind of a, a little bit of a, a preview of the second decan of Gemini um you know, I'll get into the myths of Sibylle a little bit more on Friday with Stephanie and with my Deccan's webinar. Um, but there's a, a, a themes of longing and separation and trying to unite with your with your lost self um, and figuring out like, you know, there's dealing with regret, there's fear of the future, there's anxiety for the future, there's regret for the past. And how do we find that right present moment awareness? Okay, so let's take a look at the chart. And we'll go through the, the more detailed exploration. So on my chart, we're looking at, we are looking at June the 1st. And we are, let's just kind of do an overview of where all the planets are right now. Um, we've got the, the sun starting the month out in the 11 or so degrees of Gemini. That's that second decade we've been talking about. We've got a retrograde Mercury uh, that's that's sl slowing down to, to move forward again um, at at 26 degrees of, of Taurus. That will happen during this this 10 degree section we're talking about. Um, again, we're reviewing some maybe past mistakes that we made and trying to remedy those things. We're surrendering to to the natural forces in our lives that were that are out of our control on some level with that Mercury as well. Um, but, the, but a great way to utilize that energy is saying, what worked, what didn't, what changes do I have to make? How do I repair this thing if I made a mistake? And how do I just not beat the hell out of myself if I did make a mistake? I think that's another thing to keep in mind with this is the self-recrimination that can happen in Taurus 3 is potent. And I, I think that if we're gentle with ourselves, it can just lead to admitting we uh, weren't at our best and then moving forward, you know? Uh, we are starting the month off with Venus uh, in, in her home domicile of Taurus. Uh, that should be nice. That should bring us some, some patience, some ability to, to receive in a way that is balanced rather than trying to force things or force our desires like we may be tempted to do with Venus and Aries in the house of Mars, where we kind of are like, we want what we want and we want it now. And sometimes that can uh, lead to actually blocking what you want um, if you make too many demands of others that could actually be helpful to you that can lead to like a little bit of a, a brush off and a, and a feeling of mm, that person not wanting to help so we may be much more inclined to be gracious and patient and delay gratif gratification which actually sometimes leads to a better manifestation than if we force the issue uh, speaking of Aries, Mars and Jupiter are going to be hanging out in that first decan throughout the beginning of the month, 
we we at the end of the month we we are going we haven't gotten to this point yet as I record this but we will have a Mars Jupiter conjunction uh, that is going to be very um, spicy um, and we're going to be coming off that in the beginning of June where a lot of people are probably going to be in their feelings about um, individual uh, sovereignty um, people's people are there's a lot of um, talk about about um, rights right now and, and about personal sovereignty through our bodies and things of that nature and some challenges going on with that in the news cycle in America in particular. So there's probably going to be issues of personal sovereignty in your own life, in the news cycle. Um, it's unfortunately, it's potentially uh, explosive. Um, I, I, we aren't there yet. So I don't, I don't know exactly what that means. So we'll have to see what happens when Mars and Jupiter come together. Although Mars will be powerful. So this is a great time to sever from the collective and individuate and Jupiter is going to be helping to support that process as well like any time you can gain some hard-won personal initiative and sovereignty and independence that's going to be supported with this this um, pairing as well you know you've still got Saturn here that is in the uh, last decade of Aquarius Saturn is going to be slowing way down at the beginning of the month so a lot of our responsibilities may feel pretty heavy and, and repressive. Our minds may be kind of heavy at this point as well, because, you know, Saturn is going to be squaring Mercury here in the overcoming square. So some of the collective challenges may really be weighing on our minds as well. I also think about this, the third decan of, of Taurus is natural forces that are out of our control. So we may be dealing with some natural disaster type of things or some, some weather issues that we have to, that aren't necessarily our fault, that we have to, to pick up the pieces and, and do some repairs or, or anything like that. Um, and then we're seeing at the beginning of the month here, we're coming off of the new moon in Gemini at the end of May, uh, roughly, I believe that is on May the 30th or so. And we'll start the month off with a Cancer moon as it's separating. And so really this, this kind of momentum after we had a, an influx of ideas, an influx of possibilities, an influx of decisions that had to be made. So how do we bring those into a body and into physical form as the moon waxes in the beginning of the month? Okay. Mm -hmm. Bum, 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 bum. I'm just looking through the chat and seeing if I missed any questions here. I love that we have, I love the conversations that go on in these chats. You guys, you, you all, you folks out there are great with um, your knowledge, your wisdom, questions that you have are really poignant, the observations that you have. I love the intelligence of this group, and I'm so happy that you're joining us here today and that you've chosen to spend your Monday uh, here with me today. It's really awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. So going back to this chart, on the 1st, the, the main thing that we're dealing with on June the 1st is the emergence of Mercury as a morning star. So this is when Mercury, and there's there's arguments on what this degree of separation is, but this the general idea is, is when a planet becomes visible outside of the beams of the sun. So literally, if you go outside and you look up at the sky at uh, you know, dawn or whatnot, you will either be able to see a star 
or you will not be able to see the star based on where the sun and that planet are, okay, or that planet is. So in this case, Mercury is going to be making a 15 degree of separation from the sun, and that is a condition called phosis, a moment that speaks, and this is a term that I learned from Robert Schmidt of Project Hindsight. And it's going to be making its appearance as the morning star. So all of the things that we've been doing behind the scenes are going to start to become visible here a little bit. Now, Mercury is going to be emerging on a difficult fixed star, Algol. So there, there may be some, some really emotional conversations that we have to have through these revelations. And um, again, it's, the, it's really activating that eclipse degree of where the sun was at this last eclipse on the 16th of May. So any of the themes that you were dealing with around that period of time, we could be revisiting them on some level and having to deal with the, the visible repercussions of that. So that's Mercury emerging as a morning star on the 1st. As we move forward through the first couple days here, you can see that Mercury is going to be slowing down and stationing direct. So here is June the 3rd, Friday. And Mercury, in my system here, my uh, program, Astro Gold for, for Mac, you can see that the planets or the points in red are indicating retrograde um, movement. So here Pluto is retrograde in the beginning of the month here. The nodes are retrograde. And then Mercury is switching from red to black, indicating that it's stationing direct. So that's another another vital point when you know some things that we were working on maybe begin to move forward again. We've done the reviewing process. We've we've had the difficult conversation, and now we are moving forward with that knowledge and able to 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 remedy anything that was done um, rashly or incorrectly the first time. Again, please be gentle with yourself. You are in a process of learning. If you're going through things where you're doing something for the first time, it's perfectly natural to make a mistake. We've all been under an enormous amount of stress and pressure lately, and it's abnormal to miss a few things and have to redo some things. That's part of the learning process. Remember all the times that you fell off your, your bike before you learned how to ride it? You know, remember all the jerky stops that you made when you were learning to drive a car? I mean, it's just part of the learning process and the growth process. And I think that if we're a little bit gentler with ourselves through that process, we're going to navigate it much more gracefully. A lot of the times when we beat ourselves up, it just, it, it slows the, the growth process down because instead of just learning from the mistake, we just dwell on it. And when we dwell on those mistakes, we're, we're not in the moment at all. And we're not engaging with the process. We're just getting stuck in a past moment. And I think that that's something to really be aware of with Mercury here is not getting too fixated on that past moment. Okay, okay, let's see. Helen is here. Hello, Helen. Helen says, listening while walking the dog. All right, killing two birds with one stone. Uh, I had to stop and say I have five planets in Virgo. Well, that's why you're walking and talking at the same time. Got to be healthy. I, I do that too. I like to listen to things while I'm walking and uh, I, I love listening to podcasts when I'm walking, including Mercury, Virgo, conjunct Jupiter. All right. So uh, thank you, Helen. I love these new faces that are stopping in. And if you're new to the channel, make sure you're subscribed and hit that like button for us. That always is very helpful. 
All right, so back to the, the forecast here, June 3rd, Friday, 2022. Again, Mercury emerging as a morning star, stationing direct. And then if we go forward another day, what we're going to see, if I eliminate my drawings here, is we are going to see Saturn turning retrograde. So it says on my screen June 5th, but it, it actually turns retrograde on the 4th. Um, so around that time, you're going to feel Saturn grinding to a halt. Saturn's already kind of a slow planet that slows us down. <laughs> the, the long-range vision could feel just like, like we're slogging through things, especially with the square to Mercury. We could be feeling like, oh my God, we've got this all these old things that are being brought up, all these old thoughts all these old stories, all these old glass ceilings that that are really challenging right now. And I can't help but think about some of the uh, the challenges we're facing in the Supreme Court in America right now, the old narratives that that you know may not really be some of them may be fairly regressive. And just the the, the challenge of those two fixed planets, uh, squaring off with one another and, and reviewing all of these things that we're going through as a community right now. Um, and some of that could feel pretty oppressive with, with Saturn in that overcoming position to both Venus, Uranus, and Mercury in this case. So remember, an overcoming planet is when it's earlier in the zodiac and it's asserting sort of its, its power or its own pressure on that planet. And the, the planet that's earlier in the zodiac or on the, on the right-hand side, the dexter side, if you will, um, if we're looking out from the center, is going to be the one that sort of, if we look at the center, we can see that the Saturn is on the right-hand side and it's exerting its, its pressure on Mercury. That planet on the dexter or right-hand side from center is, is always going to kind of have the upper hand. So in this case, we may want to be, you know, moving forward. Mercury is, of course, the host of the sun as well. And Mercury is in, tough, in a tough position here because it is stationed. It's in aversion to the sun, so it can't see its host. So that means that we have difficulty getting the information we need, getting the clarity we need sometimes. And Saturn's making that overcoming square, you know, feeling like we're really blocked. Maybe we're banging our head against the wall. So the resolution that we may be looking for isn't potentially quite available yet. And I think that's pretty important to understand. Also, again, the first through the fourth, through this emerging Mercury and the Saturn stationing retrograde, the moon will be out of bounds. So all of these macrocosmic things may be leading to just an explosion of emotions. Maybe we're feeling the stress in our bodies as well. So it's a good time to take really good care of yourself, figure out what you can change, what you can fix, what is, and, and then figure out what's out of your control. Because one of the things that I think is really important is that astrology, I think is a great indicator of the meta cycles that we're living. We're not just living a lunar cycle, we're living a Saturn cycle, we're living a Uranian cycle, we're, we're living a Neptune cycle. And all of those things, a lot of them move so slow that it feels like we aren't getting anywhere, but it's just a matter of our perspective. It's a matter of our perspective in this very short human life that we have, 
or this very long human life if we compare it to like the life of an insect that lives for two days. It's all a matter of perspective. So if you, if you think about it in that way, change is happening, but sometimes it just takes a while. And sometimes it takes longer than you, you think because of our limited perspective and our, our, our difficulty seeing um, into the future. And that's sort of what Saturn's asking us to do is to take the long range view rather than um, instant gratification. And it may be difficult with some of these planets in, in Aries right now as well. So I'm looking through the chat. Susanna says, I'm walking while listening and just saw a brown creeper. What a beautiful bird. They, they climb up trees. They're little woodpeckers that kind of climb up trees. They're little beautiful birds. Always listen to something while doing something else. Only Pluto in Virgo, though. <laughs> right. Cookerzilla says, do you think Saturn retrograde will give us a preview of Mars and Gemini, both air signs? Wondering if any themes come to your mind to prep for that period. That's a good question, Cookerzilla, because later this year in the fall, um, we are going to see Mars doing a retrograde dance through the sign of Gemini. And I do think that the sun will be illuminating. That's the key word. The sun brings clarity and illuminates the issues that, that Mars will probably have us dealing with moving forward. Um, so yes, I think it is important to pay attention to what themes come up in your life, in the Gemini area of your life, to the news cycle, because right now we're getting clarity on it, and maybe the, the, uh, the fight <laughs> comes in the fall, the challenge, the, the wrestling with dualities, right? The wrestling with the choice, um, it's funny that word because that's that's one of the hot button words choice and who gets to choose and who is the decider so I do think that yes that is that is something to keep, to keep aware of and how do we deal with it well I think uh, asking questions is good I think that understanding um, and I'm not just saying specifically one particular political issue I'm, I think that in any situation that we're in understanding uh, all of the perspectives, all of the choices in front of you. You don't have to agree with them, but understanding them is important. Um, exploring, finding out if there's a way to create a compromise. Sometimes there will, and sometimes there won't. And that's, that, that is uh, true in our personal lives as well. Um, communication, I think, is the key. I think we really need to be able to communicate with one another. And that's something that Gemini teaches us is that sometimes talking it out is important. Um, a little bit of healthy debate is something that can be, you know, utilized during this period of time. I would say that for that Mars retrograde period in general, words and thoughts can become weapons though. So I would be careful about how you choose your words, how you choose to communicate, because that can really come back to bite you in the, in the butt. Uh, especially when that Mars is going to go retrograde there. There's a lot of talk in the research I've done about, you know, that despair and cruelty of the second decan of Gemini that we're dealing with here is really the, the, the power of words to cut people and to hurt people and, and of our own thoughts to hurt ourselves. Because I think a lot of the anxiety that we're feeling is just our own indecision. And that can lead us to lash out uh, verbally or mentally, whether it's on ourselves or other people. Uh, Remco is asking questions. Does overcoming also count the same direction if two planets are both retrograde? That is a great question, Remco. That's something that I've often wondered myself. I think it does, mostly because the, the, the planet is still making an aspect via 
whole sign. But there's in Hellenistic astrology, and I'll have to parse my thoughts out on this, but there is a difference between witnessing via sign and applying via aspect. So aspects are a, a slightly different thing in Hellenistic astrology where um, we may have, I guess think of it like this, these two planets are very aware of each other in the same room when they, they are witnessing each other via sign. But when they're applying to each other via aspect, maybe through this, I think it's a, there's a three degree of separation when they're actually engaged with one another. That's like they're having a conversation in the same room. So I think if both planets are retrograde, I think maybe they're in the same room, they're aware of one another, but maybe they're off in their own corners talking to their lawyers or something. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what you can see. I mean, the, we've had this this uh, court case, like the, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, which I will admit I haven't been paying very much attention to. I, I think it's what my my opinion on that is that you've got two people that, are probably have experienced a lot of trauma in their life and it sounds like a pretty toxic situation for both of them and um it's sad i just think it's a really sad situation and i just sort of have some empathy for for the two of them who they both seem to be suffering um but think about like in that courtroom amber heard and johnny depp are aware of each other let's say mercury is retrograde and saturn's retrograde but they're both off talking, having a sidebar with their attorneys. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm looking for more questions because that's one of my favorite parts of this uh, is engaging all of you and talking with all of you in an aspectual relationship. Exteen. Uh, Exteen is a new name. I was just about to comment on those three things, uh, June 1st through the 4th. Well, good. Um, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Uh, another Rachel is here saying at least Mercury will have their host Venus co-present. Maybe that is a little cushion. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Mercury here in this chart is going to have resources being co-present with Venus, although the North Node and Uranus will also be present with Mercury. Both of those planets in traditional astrologers, well, traditional astrologers will say that the nodes can disrupt the sign when it's in there. They weren't aware of Uranus, but if we move that forward, we can also probably agree that Uranus is sort of a disruptive quality of a planet as well. So <laughs> there's there's just some shakeups going on in Taurus right now. It, the stability that we're looking for isn't isn't necessarily available, and I think that's you know really putting our uh, some pressure on all of us on some level. Okay, let me see what else we got here. Henry says, yes, the overcoming configuration is zodiacal, i.e. all planets in Taurus making an overcoming sign base square to Leo. There you go. So an, an agreement there. Thank you, Henry. Cooker Zilla is talking about good advice. Uh, Remco says, uh, yeah. So we have some good Hellenistic astrologers here who are confirming some of the things that we were talking about there, which is awesome. Like I said, I really appreciate the intelligence of this group. Um, Manuela says, sometimes I think retrograde planets, of retrograde planets as being signified by the tarot card of the Deccan reversed. Sometimes the signification will lighten up with a reversed card, sometimes not. I like that. Yeah, I, I can see that. I could, that, that could be useful, a useful um, divinatory 
uh, mechanism for sure. Uh, Dimphi is here. Hello, Dimphi. Um, okay, good. So let's keep going. Let's keep rolling. I would say I will say this. As far as aspects between planets go, the first ten days of Gemini, or I'm sorry, of June, the second decan, have the least amount of aspects. Although they may be some of the most important ones, with Mercury emerging as a morning star and stationing direct, Saturn stationing and turning retrograde, and then on the seventh here, what we're going to see on June seventh is the first quarter moon square. So at about 16 degrees of Gemini and Virgo, we're going to have a square between the sun and the moon. Now, if you are a fan of Dane Rudyard, and I am, you will recognize that he talks about the squares in the lunation cycle as these uh, crisis points. When the moon is waxing in the beginning of the lunar cycle, the first quarter square that we see here, 90 degrees apart, is sort of a, a material crisis of trying to bring something into being. Because the, the moon, when it's waxing, is infusing the solar light into the lunar body, right? Because the moon is reflecting, collecting and reflecting the light of the sun. So this is something, a way to think about this is, you, you, the sun is bringing clarity and awareness to a particular area of our chart. In this case, the dualities of life, the contradictions that we're trying to reconcile. When the moon is moving through Virgo, second decan of Virgo, that decan is really reflective, and you can see in the card that it rep is represented by it, is the nine of pentacles. Here you see a figure in a very lush garden uh, holding a falcon, um, a hunter falcon, I guess, a, a like a, what is the word for that? Like a, a vermin killer, <laughs> like on some level. Uh, so you can think about that deck, and there's a couple things with that one. It's it's related to Hephaestus, and it's it's really about the hard, dirty work that you have to do to infuse something, an idea, into a physical body um, to be able to create this abundance. There's also some themes of maybe some some solitude and uh, being able to like take care of yourself, but also feeling a little bit lonely um, because you're working so hard uh, to, to be a good craftsman. So there may be some challenges with our desire to be social, some of the needs to, to work on our material reality. Um, we may have all these ideas that we're trying to parse out that we're trying to make real. So I think that this first quarter moon is going to really be about how do we turn the idea, the thought, into a physical thing, into a product, into uh, you know a piece of art, into I don't know uh, something that you're you need in your home, like a home project. I, I, sorry, I've got that on my mind today. So like all my thoughts would be like, oh god, how much work do I have to do? <laughs> like I gotta, gotta mow the yard and all this and that. Um, you know, that's one reflection I've had, and I'll digress for just a second here, is uh, home ownership in America is like this big dream that, uh, that you've, it's a narrative that a lot of people have been, um, that we see in a lot of American um, mythology, being a cancer uh, sun country, it's, it's understandable. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to, f I was, I, I rebelled against that for a very, very long time. 
And it's very strange seeing middle-aged artist, astrologer, self being really concerned about lawnmowers and leaf blowers. Although I hate leaf blowers. I hate how noisy they all are. <laughs> you can, if we can find these tools that are completely silent, that would be great. Um, but all of these things that like when I was younger or as an artist was just like, ah, oh, that's, you know, so basic. But on some level, some of that foundation can help support these other more creative intellectual pursuits. And I think that there comes a time, and I hope that this isn't me just like selling out, <laughs> but there comes a time when you've lived under the, the stress of uncertainty so long that you're finally just ready for like a, a rest and a break. And sometimes figuring out how to surrender to just some of the reality of your situation, I think can be quite a relief. Um, and I know that that relief and that surrender isn't always possible for everyone, but I think that if you have an opportunity to, to kind of do that, um, it can support some of these like hierarchy of needs. If we're always, you know, feeling like we're unstable, and this is something that the eclipse brought up for me, and maybe it brought up these issues for all of you. You know, if you're, if you're constantly worried about just your physical security, um, it's so hard to concentrate on other things. And, you know, really the story of, of our journey was, hey, we, we had to make this happen or we were going to have to move and we were going to have to leave the house that we loved. It was almost like it, we didn't have a choice. And fortunately, we um, were in a position to, to, to do something about it. But that's where we're at now, I think, with um, in America, with housing and uh, our fundamental needs is, you know, it's getting one thought I have, and I'll get to this when I get to cancer. But the moon is both uh, nurturing and consuming. And I, th I want you to think about that when we think about lunation cycles, cancer in general, because we have some cancer people here, cancer moon. Um, yeah, it says, I hate, Cookerzilla says cancer moon here. I hate the loudness of power tools and purposely avoid that stuff until it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, I agree, Cookerzilla. I actually, I actually bought an electric lawnmower this week so that I didn't have to listen to the gas engine. And hopefully it's better for um for the environment as well uh and dimphy says middle-aged is slightly exaggerated don't you think yeah well are you talking about me referring to myself as middle-aged i mean i'm i'm 42 almost um so yeah i don't know M middle age is a tough age there's a lot of responsibilities that come in you've got if, if you do have kids you've got a lot of things coming up with your kids that require attention um, you have aging parents, in my case, a uh, parent passing and other responsibilities with aging um, you know, relatives. And then you're trying to create some of the things that you may have taken for granted as a child that maybe if you were fortunate enough to have parents that created a certain environment for you, um, you now have to be the one that creates those things, even if it was just a, a, a vibe, right? Uh, that's something I've been dealing with a lot with the passing of my mom in the last month is my mom was someone who decorated the home and, um, you know, really got into like holidays and created this sense of joy. And I've had a lot of thoughts about how do I create that in my own experience and my own family now that she's gone, it, it falls on us to take over those traditions. Um, but the point that I wanted to make about the moon is, you know, the moon 
gives and a mother nurtures, but sometimes a mother needs to consume to be able to provide. So there's this cycle of, of consuming and giving, this nurturing, this give and take. And I think that that's really important. And I think that I, I've really gotten clarity on that. I'm sorry for such a long digression, but I feel like this is an interesting thought on cancers. Really felt that significantly of the really difficult choices that we get thrust into for security in a capitalistic society. Um, for us to have security, uh, sometimes we have to be consumers, literally consumers, and we get put into difficult choices and positions about ethical quandaries. And this is another thing that, that happens in Gemini too. The, the Gemini card in the arcanic ma arca major arcana are, is the lovers. And here we see two figures that are in, in, around, you know, this is related to choice and duality and making an ethical decision. I, one of my favorite authors, Benabel Wen, talks about yeah, an ethical quandary. So we get cast into these, these choices that we have to make. And I, um, it's, it's just fascinating to see how much you fight against the current as a young person and, and what compromises you make as you, as you get older when you figure out what is or isn't possible within the systems that we live in. So I just was, was throwing that out, and I'm curious to hear some of your perspectives. I know a lot of our European friends here, I've had long conversations with them where we have a lot of people in different countries have universal health care. And I feel like the, the eat each other vibe is a little bit slightly less in those countries because of some of the social systems and social programs that they have there. Um, and I really wish that for, for us here where it wasn't so dog eat dog kind of thing, but we'll see. Uh, that's why we, we have to think about these things. If we talk about them, then maybe we can help create the reality that we want. Um, let me look. Oh, cancer, we've got some cancers chiming in. Uh, place of stillness says, me and the hubby are both fixed rising signs, Scorpio and Leo. We've handed the keys of our house over to the new owners on the 16th. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're going through a change too, right? Uh, just some hours after the eclipse, and it came as a great relief. Yeah, well, good luck to you and your the next stage of your journey, um, right? Um, Rachel says, Cancer rising. I find summer so hard with all the machines going on from st the start of the day. Me, me too. It's just endless in my neighborhood, like blowers, mowers, chainsaws, cars going by. I live on a, I live on a, a fire truck route too, so I deal with that also. Um, but there's compromises that we have to make all the time. Um, Dimphy says, yesterday I prepared the soil for sowing. After a few hours of manual labor, the earth felt so soft as, it had, as if it had been prepared, preparing a baby bed for the seed babies. And the thought brought a smile to my face. Well, Dimphy, I hope to be doing some of that uh, planting and sowing soon as well. It is, it is a great way to ground ourselves, literally to ground the extra electrical impulses out of our body into the ground so that we're feeling less stress. I, I'm looking forward to that myself. Beth says that she's mowing her lawn right now. <laughs> Almost dropped an electric mower in, into the chat. All right. Well, hey, team electric mower. All right. Uh, CCJ says, I felt a sense of peace when you talked about rest and just giving in to that. 
thank you. Yeah, so that's what I try to do here. I, I, you know, I don't want to do astrology that scares people. I want to be realistic about what we're dealing with and acknowledge the pain that we're going through. But the the goal of this channel for me is to bring a sense of peace, uh, not only to myself but to to this this audience, this community, and hopefully to, to give practical advice and help um, us in this process of becoming and to become wiser uh, stewards of this planet and of this these bodies and these experiences. Um, Beth says also this part about taking on once skewed responsibilities on a personal level is a journey I've been on. Yeah, well, we're, we're roughly, I think roughly similar stages of life, so it's not surprising. Uh, Lynn says, Venus and Cancer here and harmonizing beauty and chores in and around the home is a major theme. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to the Cancer part of the show, but um, Cancer is a, it's a complicated sign and there is definitely some compromises that we we have to make um, for our security. Rachel says, noise canceling headphones are my friend. Yes, me too. I'm so grateful to have a garden where I live, even if the traffic and noise is hard. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Rachel. I'm on a very busy street at an, my house is near an intersection and a stoplight, which makes it a little noisier. But I'm having visions of creating green natural fences with all sorts of like plants and uh, I've been on Pinterest looking at arbors, so this is the most Cancerian thing ever. It's like, oh, that's a pretty archway that I could put in the front of my house. Um, But yeah, sanctuary is something that I think that's really important with the Cancerian energy is how do we create that place where we don't have to absorb all of the emotional energy of the world? Because I know for me personally, when I just went out in public, that's why the pandemic's been a real mixed bag for me. Like, I'm starting to get a little bit lonely now, but I think that for the first part of it, I had the the ability to stay home and the privilege to stay home. I will acknowledge that not everybody has that, and but it was a relief that I just wasn't absorbing everyone's energy all the time. And I think every Cancerian type needs some place like that, just little corner that you can escape to, where you don't uh, have to be feeling everyone's feelings all the time because we we absorb that like the moon does and reflect it back and. We want to, to take care of people, alleviate the suffering, nurture people. And um, sometimes when we can just be in our own space, can be really, really healthy and healing. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep working on that sanctuary, Rachel. Absolutely. All right, so this is the, this is the end of the first decan of Gemini. I'm sorry, the second decan of Gemini, the first 10 degree section. Let's, uh, let's keep moving. The last aspect that we have while the sun's in Gemini 2 is Mercury making a trine to Pluto. And this is happening on June the 10th. You can see Mercury at 28 degrees of, of Taurus is trining Pluto, retrograde Pluto, at 28 degrees of Capricorn. So potentially some of the remedies that we're, we're working on, um, some of the conversations, the deep, deep conversations about our material realities will hopefully meet transformative Pluto and be able to be um, put into good use. And maybe this is a time frame where the the cocoon of our thoughts, of our material, you know, meditations will start to burst open and and the butterfly reality will, will potentially be uh, put out into the world. I wanted to just make a little note too. All of you who have sent, been sending me messages around my 
uh, the passing of my mom recently, I like responding with a butterfly emoji on all of those. Anytime you see that, that's a sign uh, that's related to my mom. My mom really loved butterflies, and that was, I think, one of her animal spirits. So that's always a little wink and a nod to her if you see that. So um, it's a it's a, a beautiful symbol, and I think it's very applicable to Mercury and Pluto coming together here too. Is how can you emerge from that underground to, uh, with with some kind of new knowledge to be able to move your material reality forward? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop my share for a second, and we'll talk a little bit about the third decan of Gemini, and then get into the nitty gritty of that. So we're looking at a time period now from from June the 10th to June the 21st. So we're going to go through the end of Gemini. This is the last decan before the summer solstice. Some things to think about. In the Egyptian mythological narrative or the Egyptian understanding of time, they thought of Gemini as the last sign of the zodiac. You can see in the Thema Mundi, Cancer was on the ascendant because that was the time that the, the, the Nile River Valley would flood and it would bring all this fertile sediment into the valley and then they could plant the fields. So Gemini was that time, the ending of the, the, the year, the solar year in Egyptian time. And this decan of Gemini is the last decan in, in the Egyptian concept of time. And again, we can bring in stories of making choices before we incarnate, before we plant the seed in the ground, before we incarnate into a body or choose one of the lots that we've been presented with, and all the challenges that go in with that. Now, this Deccan, uh, Austin Coppett calls it an executioner's sword, and a lot of his names stem from the spirits that are associated with these Deccans that he is drawing upon from th a fragmentary Hellenistic text called 36 Heirs of the Zodiac. And in that 36 Heirs of the Zodiac, the daimon or spirit of, of Gemini 3 is Praxodike, or the exactor of justice. So when we see something that is just or in, unjust, and we need to take action on it and, and carry out um, some of the I don't know whether it's the punishments or the sentences, whatever it is that we're going to do, we have to say, okay, this is this is what we've determined, and now we're taking action on it. Um, the rulers, the face rulers of this decan are the sun in the descending Chaldean order and Saturn in the triplicity system. So we've got a sun-Saturn type of uh, movement um, where, where we saw in the previous decan, uh, we saw the Mars venus contradiction and and really in all of gemini it's really fascinating uh the first decan of gemini is ruled by jupiter and mercury in the the two systems so we have these opposing planetary forces in each gemini uh decan which i thought was it, it really works um for, for that as well um book of t and book toth of toth call this decan the lord of ruin Again, I think it comes in with the, the need of a choice, and sometimes it's a forced choice. I think there's, if you have planets in the third decan of Gemini, there may be choices that you have to make that you really don't want to make, but you're just, you have to, and there's no other way about it. You're not going to be able to keep all these possibilities alive. It's time to let go of one of the pathways so that when you get to cancer season, like we see here, you know, you are going to be impregnating whatever it is that you want to nurture uh, you're going to be giving birth to that, and then you're going to care for it, right? And sometimes we just can't nurture um, multiple dreams at once, or too many. 
maybe there's a few we can, but if we try to nurture too many things, we're just not going to do any of them very well. And a lot of the times there's a dream that you need to nurture in this moment. And by letting go of the other choices, it doesn't mean you're letting go of it forever. It just means that you're letting go of it now so that you can be present with the thing that's most important to you right now. And maybe you circle back on it sometime in the future. So this decan is about that, that choice and saying, finally, I have to make the choice, right? There's an, a million fixed stars in this decan. I mean, there's like what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We didn't talk about the fixed stars. We will in my, my uh, webinar, Decans of Gemini, but that last decan, we've got Aldebaran, uh, Rigel, which is like drinking from the fire hose of information. That's where my Venus is. So if you feel like you get a ton of details here, you can blame the fixed star Rigel. <laughs> like, but in this, this decan, we've got Bellatrix, Capella, Fact, Elnath, Elnilum, Polaris, Betelgeuse. Uh, a lot of stars in Orion, a lot of stars in Auriga, the Charioteer, uh, some stars in um, Taurus, the end of Taurus as well. Uh, so, you know, just a lot of action in this decan. Um, so we're approaching the summer solstice. We're, we're getting ourselves prepared. Another thing I wanted to point out about Gemini season is that, and this is, um, this is something that I was inspired, that, that really inspired me that my uh, astrology teacher, Chutubaba from Nightlight Astrology mentioned at one point is that Gemini is an ambitious sign. Uh, a lot of the times we, we think of uh, in the modern treatment of Gemini, that's like, flaky or it's, it's not non-committal. Um, but what I will say is that the sun, when it's moving through the sign of Gemini, uh, like Achuta was pointing out, is still ascending in the sky. It is still trying to achieve something. Uh, and, and Mercury is expanding possibilities. Whereas in, you know, Mercury's role in Virgo is narrowing possibilities. See that? There's a different role with the yin and the yang version of mercurial signs. So the reason why we think of the fickleness of, of planets in Gemini is that once we get to the summer solstice, the sun reverses direction. So this is the type of energy where you're like, I've made a choice. And then once I get what I want, I'm like, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I'll change my mind. Because the sun is literally changing direction. Um, what I have found, though, having some Geminis in my life, including my mom, whose, whose birthday uh, was May 30th, she, she uh, is a first decade Gemini son, or she was, and her spirit lives on, um, is that all of these different movements are leading to some grander vision. I do think that that is the case. All of the explorations, all of the minutiae, all of the, the kitsch does is utilized, you know, and that's where we bring the sense of wholeness back within, right? So here we have the approach of the summer solstice. Uh, and in that story of Castor and Pollux, the twins in Greek mythology, one of the twins had to uh, sacrifice some of their immortality so that the other could live. Castor, the immortal twin, had to give up some, or I'm sorry, Pollux, Pollux, the immortal twin, had to give up some of his immortality so that Castor, the slain mortal twin, could live again. And they split time between Hades and Olympus. And there's multiple stories of, of twins that are making a sacrifice uh, in various mythological systems. And we can think about the sun 
as making a sacrifice and saying, okay, the sun is sacrificing itself. It's the old year is finally done. And now we're, we're starting the new year. Okay. So difficult decisions, what lives, what dies, what life do you want to choose to nurture? The forced choice, be careful when the sun is in this decade of making ultimatums. Um, the, the downside of this is that you can be that exactor of justice, that executioner's sword can be very, very damaging, can be rough. Um, you can back yourself into a corner with this of saying, you know, it's me or them, you know, and, you know, forcing other people to choose between you and someone else or, or you know, you and a situation, you and a job, whatever it is. Um, it can be really, um, can be really toxic if you get really stubborn about, you know, forcing something to a conclusion that maybe isn't ready yet. Maybe there's still some ambiguity around it. So, or maybe you have to just hold some duality around it. So be careful of that as well. Be careful also of overly intellectualizing something. Another thing I've learned from T. Susan Chang is in the progression between the first, second, and third decan of the, of the, of each sign, you've got the initiating energy in the first decan, kind of the balance point in the second. And then in the third decan, you've got like an excess of it. So we may have an excess of thoughts uh, in the third decan of Gemini too. So that's a, another thing to keep in mind. Um, if you look at the opposite decan, the, 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 the 10 of, of wands, right? We see a figure that's carrying a great burden, trying to get to the finish line. Okay, this is the Ten of Wands energy that is basically saying, I'm going to carry this great load. I'm going to carry this great burden and I'm going to, I'm going to unify body and mind to just get it, the job done. In Gemini 3, there is no unification of mind and body. There's just this split, right? And it's kind of like you're not able to carry on that vision anymore. And one of them has to be let go, right? So you will find yourself probably at a crossroads when the sun's in Gemini 3. And I think it's important to choose a path. Uh, that's really one of the remedies to some of the anxiety in Gemini is just make a choice. If, you, if it ends up being the wrong choice, well, guess what? That's going to give you some information. And then you can circle back around and, and make a new choice the next time around. I think that's the key is um, I really don't think that failure is necessarily, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we want to avoid it as much as possible. Like it, we're taught to avoid it, but it really is instructive. So keep that in mind when you're going through this. Again, that's a way to be gentle with yourself. I'm checking through the chat. Uh, Kitaki Two Crows. That's a cool name. That's and I love your avatar, by the way, which I believe is George Michael, like like mid to late '80s George Michael, like Faith era George Michael. Really great singer. He was a Cancer Sun Leo Moon. I'm a big fan. Uh, what version of Starry Night Pro do you recommend to start exploring the use of fixed stars? Well, uh, Kitaki Two Crows. I, I use Starry Night Pro 7. I believe that that is slightly older than the newest version, which is Starry Night Pro 8. There's different versions that you can purchase at different price points. Honestly, I think most of them will do the work that you need them to do. 
which is you just need to be able to, to search for the various fixed stars and be able to kind of see the constellations that they're a part of. And most of the programs do that. So I, I, most of the versions of the program do that. Um, so the, the, the version I have is the, the pro version that was about 150 bucks. Um, and it's been worth every penny. It's, re it's really great. Uh, and I believe that uh, you had asked me a question about fixed stars on the video as well that I haven't quite gotten to yet. But uh, um, if you want to put that in the chat box, then maybe I can answer it today as well. Remco says, G-O-T, the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Is that Game of Thrones? Is that a quote from Game of Thrones? Um, yeah, the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. I, yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Um, that would speak to maybe the, the tendency potentially in Gemini to maybe some backbiting, like, like challenging, like make gossipy, uh, to trying to take someone down verbally or maybe behind the scenes. And sometimes we just have to be direct with people. And that's another remedy, I think, for Gemini 3 anxiety is sometimes just be honest and direct and say, sometimes we have a difficult choice that we have to express to someone. And a lot of times if we explain our position and are honest about it, the other person understands and isn't going to like feel um, as an adversary as much. I mean, like I said, there might be difficult choices, but uh, a little bit of honesty and forthrightness, which we will get to in the I Ching is, is going to be good moving forward. Okay. That's what the I Ching is recommending. So I, I like that. Um, Kitaki Tukro says, this section of degrees that Mercury retrograde has me curious as to the fixed star projected to those degrees. Um, well, we have we have Algol for the, the retrograde station moving forward, um, my friend. So that's, as far as the pro projected degrees, yeah, we'll have to look at that. Um, what, what they're talking about is projecting off of the ecliptic, I think. And various constellations can come into play if you're using projected ecliptical degree rather than the Paran method that Bernadette Brady uses. And I don't know if one is necessarily better than the other. They're proponents of each type of system. I tend to use the projected ecliptical degree more, but I can understand some of the rationale for the Paran method as well. So experiment with it. Um, Manuela says the Ten of Swords might also speak to the need of letting go in a sense of surrendering as a circle is completed and something new is already growing. Think of just a clinging of fear. I like that. Yes, you've probably already been planting some seeds. There's yes, there's probably already something growing in our life. It doesn't just, you know, that's the thing. Like when we see these aspects that are perfecting, it's not just unless it's maybe Uranus or something, even that has seeds in the past these aren't just bolts out of the blue most often these are things that have been coming for a long time and maybe it's just the final push that that, that place of stillness aka manuela is talking about right so i think that um it's very important to kind of think about these in, in the bigger picture and if you're already in the process of a new project just let go of the other stuff if you're trying to hang on and like 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 manu is saying like cling to the the old narrative, the old life, that's when you're creating the pain and the suffering. That's when you are the, the figure that's laying awake at night, 
or the figure that's laying prostrate on the ground, you notice that we have this black sky is clearing. It's the dawn of a new day, right? So this is the, the dawn after the dark night of the soul. So embrace that early morning light that is associated with the 12th house, right? The, the rising sun and the very liminal spaces that we may find ourselves in in Gemini season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, man it was pointing that out. There's a sunny seed that wants to pop in that Deccan. Yes, exactly. Henry says, this is, that is so cool. I was thinking about Mercury and Mars in terms of being decisive, but it makes sense that Gemini really encompasses all of the contradictions. Thank you for sharing. Well, thank you, Henry. Um, yeah, I'm glad we were able to bring some clarity to that as well. Uh, Kentucky Crow says, I'll have to thank Rigel for your generosity of information sharing. Yeah. I mean, it's really like, that's what Rigel's vibe is, right? Rigel is the foot of Orion um, in the Eurydanus, the river of knowledge and the river of wisdom. And I've often said that like these live streams, my teaching style is just like, or, or my learning style too, is just like, uh, I don't know if you've seen that movie UHF with uh, Weird Al and um, Michael or whatever, like the guy who was Cosmo Kramer and Seinfeld, those two people. Uh, <laughs> there's a, play, a, a TV show where, um, you know, the janitor is, has his own show and it's like a kid's show, but it's a crazy kid's show. And they're like, have this, kiddie pool full of oatmeal and kids have to go around and like find the marble and he's like once you find the marble they put your put you on a saddle in front of a fire hose <laughs> he's like he's like you found the marble you get to drink from the fire hose and they see this kid getting put on this little saddle and getting blasted by this fire hose it's pretty funny and i feel like that's rigel is like it's like, oh, yay, we found the marble and the oatmeal. Now we get to drink from the fire hose of information. You know, oh, you've got a planet on Rigel. Sit on the fire hose. And, you know, like, so much of my, my work is drinking from that fire hose of sources that you see all around me. And then, you know, with all the squares to my Virgo planets, trying to parse it down into something useful and to teach it to, to people and share it and pass it on. So it doesn't just become all these just little factoids. It becomes something useful. So hopefully we're able to distill that on this channel. Um, Beth says, what part of the lawn to leave for the pollinators? A choice, yes, perfect. And I have seen people in my neighborhood do this too, where they've mowed parts of it, but they've left the beautiful little uh, grape hyacinths, the little purple flowers for the bees. And I think that's a really great compromise because in my city, you know, which is neighboring Ann Arbor. It's a small town called Ypsilanti, Michigan, which where Eastern Michigan University is is uh, stationed. They 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 didn't participate in this. Um, it was more just like the community was talking about it, whereas Ann Arbor had an official thing about it, I think. And they were still handing out fines if your yard was too long. So I think a lot of neighbors here started. Some of them rebelled and was like, "Screw you! I'm doing this anyway. The bees are more important than your fines." And the other people would mow just parts of it and leave the flowers for the bees. So I thought that was that was interesting. Uh, Henry says, in a keto philosophy, they talk about Ainuke, mutual preservation of life, but that's more of a Libra ideal. Um, yeah, I'd like to hear more about that, Henry. That's that's pretty cool. That may hopefully we can find a way to apply that to our um, Gemini season here. Jody is here. Said hello, Jody. Thank you for for coming today. Um, glad you could stop by and I hope that you're healing well from your um, transition as well and um, finding peace as well. All right. 
So I th does that give you a fairly good idea of what's going on with the, the Gemini 3 Deccan and some of the experiences we're going to share when the sun is with that? This, remember, the sun is a big spotlight. It's going to bring a big spotlight, a big like sense of awareness and clarity to those types of things that we're experiencing. And then we have all these other smaller, uh, you know, movements within that. Um, and all these these conversations between planets, macrocosm and microcosm. All right, so let's take a look at the chart again. So we're starting out with June 10th, as we see, let's look at the 11th here, where you can see the sun click over to 20 degrees of Gemini. Um, and now our first aspect on the 11th of June is a conjunction between Venus and Uranus. So this is an interesting place in the Zodiac. This is it's the second decan of Taurus, which is generally has to do with finding a consistent rhythm um, with generosity. It's, it's related to the uh, the six of pentacles, where you see a figure that is giving out alms to the poor. Uh, this is the, the decan of, of sewing continuously, of, sh of showing up and doing just the work that you need to do for that day and then letting nature take over the, the rest of the process. Uh, I think that um, it's really interesting that when we have Uranus here in this decan, <laughs> like the normal rhythms that we are trying to establish are always getting shaken up a little bit. And I'm feeling this with my moon is at about 15 Taurus. So all my routines are getting getting changed and, and shaken up. And with Venus here, we, it may be bringing maybe some a little bit of harmony to the new uh, material routines that we need to bring into our life. I think this could be maybe even just receiving some unexpected good fortune or prosperity as well. Like a bolt out of the blue, we may receive some some assistance materially that we weren't expecting. So I think that could be one thing. Um, this is also the day of my Decans of Gemini webinar. So if you want to see Venus and Uranus in action, uh, conjoining my natal moon on my midheaven, uh, you know, sign up for the Decans of Gemini. We'll, I'll, I'll be generous with my information and you can drink from the fire hose of Rigel with Venus there as well. Um, Venus in my chart being at 16 degrees of Gemini, close to Rigel. Thank you so much, Susanna, for your super sticker. I, I appreciate your Venus Uranus uh, aspect explanation donation. So uh, thank you so much for that and the beautiful little fox person there. Um, Beth is saying their grandma grew up in Ypsilanti. Well, there you go. Uh, a, a Greek named town for a, a Greek inspired mythologist and, and astrologer. Um, Extine says, twice today, Aikido came up, the martial arts reference Mars ingress into Aries. Yeah, exactly. So that's coming up soon, isn't it? We're getting rid of this Pisces energy. Everyone's going to be just, <laughs> going to be just going. So let's talk a little bit more about this Venus Uranus. Um, again, unexpected good fortune, maybe establishing a new rhythm that will bring good fortune. And consistency is the key with this. Even if you're having to establish something new, 
uh, if you can just do a little bit each day, that can really lead to to benefit um, moving forward. Okay, this is something I've been talking about in my household quite a bit with my family. When we're dealing with all these new responsibilities, all we have to do is just consistently show up, just keep showing up. Even when we get frustrated, if we can't achieve everything in that day, then just let it go for that day and then come back the next day because the wheel keeps on spinning and the circumstances and the soil might be more fecund or riper the next day. Okay, you have to find that Kairos moment, that, that perfect opportune moment. Some days it's just not there and that's okay. You did what you could for the day and then you move forward to the next thing. All right, so that's our Venus-Uranus conjunction. On the 13th, June the 13th, we have Mercury moving back into Gemini. So Mercury dipped its little toe into Gemini in, in the end of May, retrograded back into Taurus to, to take care of some details that that um, we may have missed the first time around to repair some things like everybody's fixing their car today. It's so hilarious that that's, you know, part of the themes of that deck in Mercury saying, okay, you better fix your car. <laughs> you're going to run into some trouble. Um, but now we're going to, you know, be able to move forward with more information after tying up some loose ends after the retrograde back in Taurus. Now, now Mercury moves back into Gemini, um, exploring some of those dualities, um, and, and, you know, giving that proliferation of options. Now, remember, Jupiter will, or, I'm sorry, the, this, the moon will also be out of bounds starting this day until the J June the 17th. So the proliferation of options may also be promoting some emotional challenges, some emotional swings. That uh, may also, sometimes when we have mental anxiety, that can lead to physical discomfort. I have some family members that when they think a little bit too much, they have some some bowel challenges. So this isn't, it's all connected. You know, it's all part of a unified system. The, you know, as above, so below, as within, so without, as thought, so body. So, you know, be gentle with yourself because, it, it, you know, if you if you're overthinking things and you're you're letting anxiety get the best of you, that can manifest as some physical discomfort, like as a headache, a migraine, you know, you know, digestive challenges. Um, there's there's a reason why a lot of Virgo folks have ulcers. <laughs> you know, like I know a lot of Virgo people who have thought themselves and worried themselves into an ulcer, and I'm sure that that's probably somewhat true for maybe even for Gemini as well, but might be more related to mental health challenges. Um, so that's Mercury moving into to Gemini. And this is going to be setting up our full moon on the 14th. So this is the 14th of June. And we have the sun at 23 degrees of Gemini opposing a 23 degree uh, Sagittarius moon. So this is, this is the time where, remember I showed you the two cards of opposition, where we have the Ten of Swords and the Ten of Wands, right? Where we have a choice that needs to be made. We need to let go of something. We need to let go of a burden even. But the moon may be forcing us to carry that burden to the finish line. And we have to reconcile that maybe even to make a choice, maybe even to let go of one of our options, we have a great deal of work that needs to be done to complete the letting go process. I think that's part of this too. There's a 
there's a, a a burden that we're carrying even when we're letting one of those options or one of those twins go and i think that's what we're looking at here um this full moon is sextiling saturn so it could be assisting us in the letting go process of sober reality um, it's time to choose and you may be feeling some burnout again we're, we're still in that moon out of bounds this is probably going to tax our bodies I, I would assume so take care of your body give yourself extra time and space to do the things that you need to do take a bath take a walk get your hands in the garden and all of those things can ground you in reality um, and I say that because this lunation is going to be squared Neptune. So a lot of the challenges, a lot of the thoughts that we have, maybe projections, they may be uh, trying us trying so hard to achieve that Neptunian vision in the last decan of Pisces, that that happy ever after vision that we see with this rainbow that is so ephemeral, that's so temporary. And that may be causing some stress and, and, and we may have to kind of make some compromises around that. Uh, Cookerzilla says, how do you think this Sagittarius moon can work with its oppositional force of Gemini? Well, when we have oppositions, two things that are happening. First of all, when it's a sun-moon relationship, it's the, the, the culmination of the seed that was planted at the previous new moon. So we had a previous new moon around May the 30th in the first decade of Gemini. So we were planting the seed of all these different pathways. And as the moon comes to fruition, as it fruits on the vine, as the, as the fruit ripens, all of those choices are going to lead to a decision that we have to make and are going to say, you, you can't carry on all of these pathways. One of them has to be chosen. And think of it less about what are you giving up? This is what I've talked about with clients that have this position because I've had quite a few it's think about it less about what you're sacrificing and, and think about it more about what you want to breathe life into. I think that's one of the differences between Gemini and Cancer and the transition between them is I think in Cancer there's an, there's an awareness, an intuitive awareness, not a mental one, an intuitive emotional one as to what we really care about. And, you know, when we identify that, you know, maybe it's our family, maybe it's a, a cherished art project, maybe it's a, an animal. You know, I know for me, I've been really loving my kitties lately. I don't, you, you'll see on my Instagram account, uh, it's mostly me advertising these chats and then, you know, pictures of my cats. And I made a reel of my cat just staring at me for like 30 minutes and then doing a very dramatic yawn to hearts alone, which went, I don't know, it didn't go viral, but it got roughly two or 3,000 views in a day or two. So that was kind of cool. But it was just, I think it resonated with people because it's just this beautiful staring contest with a beautiful, you know, Maine Coon mix. And then him just like having some, holding some space for you. <laughs> so, so for me, that choice, I choose to spend time with those furry creatures. And it's an intuitive awareness that I, I want to provide comfort for them. So I, going back to your question there, Cookerzilla, um, you know, oppositions don't always have to be quote unquote resolved. Sometimes in true Gemini fashion, we have to be able to hold the duality between them. And I think in this case, 
we have this T-square between the sun, the moon, and, and Neptune that's saying, you have a vision, Neptune and Pisces 3, about what you want to, to do. Maybe you're willing to sacrifice for that vision. What are you willing to sacrifice? You have a choice that you're aware that needs to be made with the sun in Gemini 3, and you realize that you're not going to be able to, to you know, keep all of them alive in the same way in the present moment, all of those visions. And then the burden, the weight of your responsibilities of that choice is reflected in the moon in the third decan of Sagittarius. So you may have to make a, a superhuman effort in, in this new moon to carry something to completion. Uh, I witnessed this with my partner who has the sun in, in Sagittarius 3 is, you know, she'll push herself to the very limits of her physical uh, abilities, you know, until she just collapses sometimes. And it was very useful when she was a cross-country runner in high school, which is very good and got a college scholarship for cross-country running because she would be willing to sacrifice her body to get to the finish line when other people wouldn't. But in life, it, it, it needs to be, that energy needs to be balanced. That energy is important in some periods of time, but it, it's not always sustainable. And all these mutable signs, we don't want to get stuck in this energy. We want to explore to decide, but, th but then we move on and we want to, you know, push towards the finish line, but then we, we stabilize, right? So being in the moment and, and, you know, thinking about the sacrifices that are necessary in the, the last decades of mutable signs is, is important at this, at this lunation. And I'll have some guests on for this. I haven't scheduled that yet, but I'll have a guest on probably a few days beforehand to, to parse it all out again. All right. Integrating the two perspectives, Henry says, yes. Um, I love that. What we breathe life into, Jody says, yes. And thank you for your compliment with the translations of our planetary shenanigans, Jody says. Um... Cooker says, Cooker is the name of my 20-year-old cat. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Cookerzilla, that's so great. My kitties are about five right now, and my partner pointed out that they're about 36 years old in human years. <laughs> I was like, no, they're going to live forever. So if you've got secrets of how you got your kitties to 20, I, I, will, I would love that because my last cat was a stray, so I don't know exactly how old she was, but I think she was about 11 or 12 when she got kidney disease and I, it just broke me. Oh man, it broke me. I had a cat named Kitty Bear that, that passed that I spent a year doing like everything possible to keep her alive, like IVs and everything with fluids and all that. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Um, so, you know, but I've got these beautiful, beautiful boys now that you can find on my Instagram. There's a whole highlight section of their, of their shenanigans, if you will. But yeah, that's that's awesome. I, all of you who are uh, cat 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 moms, cat ladies, and cat daddies, and uh, I big high five to you. And and you know, dog people are okay too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm biased. I just love cats so much. Um, maybe it's the Leo ascendant in me. You know, big cats, big kitties. Uh, so, but I digress. Um, so that's our, our full moon experience. If we move forward to the 16th, I'm going to be here forever if I just keep, if you get me talking about cats, you can tell it's Gemini season, dude, just 
you can get off on all the tangents. Um, June 16th, we have the sun making a trine to Saturn. So this may be a point where we realize, you know, all of the responsibilities that go into making the choice and the decision that we just made. And now the reality of that is going to be setting in. And maybe the choice that we made helps us move forward, helps us move on into the unknown and, and untie some of those old karmic knots and old narratives that may be keeping us in bondage. So this might be a liberating um, perspective, but there's sober thinking that comes with this sun, uh, sun Saturn trine. Um, you know, this this is a day that is kind of super jam packed with aspects. There's the sun trining Saturn. Venus is going to be conjoining the North Node in Taurus. So we've got this this happening here. We've got the Sun Saturn trine, right? Um, and then we also have the sun making a square to Neptune simultaneously. So this is going to take all our skills as astrologers, right? Because we've got one aspect, another one, and then this, you know, energy here. So how do we differentiate and break them down? Well, <laughs> Neptune is in sort of that overcoming position to the sun. So some of our fantasies and illusions may be getting the best of us. And challenging us and forcing us to make choices that are difficult. Saturn is assisting in making the tough choices and, and bringing us to a sobriety. And Venus is increasing our, our desire to deal with some of the, the natural forces in our lives. Um, whenever a planet is conjoining the North Node, Hellenistic astrologers would call it a place of increase. The the uh, Jyotisha astrologers would talk about Rahu and the hungry, um, severed head of a demon that was seeking the immortal elixir of life. So sometimes we can also think of the North and South Node, but particularly the North Node as increasing our desires around that planet that is insatiable. So there may be a, a, a material desire that we have with Venus on the North Node that is insatiable. Um, maybe we, we are regretting our past mistakes so much. We, we want to bring harmony to, to the, the past so badly. Um, and that may lead to some sacrifices with Sun and Neptune, um, but also some tough choices and decisions that make with the trine to the Sun and Saturn. Now, conversely, if a planet is conjoined K2, this, the body that is processing things, we may be forced to let go of things. We may have a certain sense of detachment around that issue rather than desire. One, one of those nodes keeps us, you know, more related to the physical uh, experience, the other maybe towards the spiritual world. In Jyotisha, they, they were very opposite, the evolutionary astrologers who say, we need to move towards our north node. In Jyotisha, they were like, mm, the north node is what keeps you incarnated in this cycle of samsara, and the south node is, is the liberator. So if you follow the south node in, in the the Indian astrological tradition, that's the path to liberation. So just something to, to meditate on. I'm not saying one or the other is necessarily good or bad. I tend to think that it's a balance between those two things and that this physical experience is important. And there's a lot of things to learn to it. I, I, I don't denounce material reality like some, um, phys like some spiritual traditions say that we're trying to escape from. That's not my personal philosophy of life. And you can blame my Taurus moon and my Virgo placements for that. But 
I, I like being alive. I like life and I like the five senses and the material world. And I think that there's joy in it as long as you could practice something like moderation, where we could see in the story of, of the Buddha, where he had everything that he could possibly want as a as a uh, affluent young prince. And he finally gave it all up and then meditated under that Bodhi tree, but realized that that wasn't really the path either. Like just complete asceticism was not what worked for him. So he had a, he talked about the middle way and the balance. And I think that that's, you know, sort of, I think what will help us through this June 16th period is finding the middle path to our desires that will be realistic. All right. So that's the 16th. Um, I also wrote in my notes, a desire to remedy past mistakes, increase in fear of losing resources or value, because this Venus is going to be beginning to apply to a square to Saturn. So we've been really getting hit hard in the global community. Um, Like the financial markets have been getting really blown, blown up. And people are getting nervous about their 401ks or their investments. People are nervous about housing and the housing market going crazy. People are nervous about baby formula. Like in America, we have like three major uh, producers of baby formula. And one of the plants got cited, I believe in Michigan, my home state, where production shut down. And now we have a crisis for feeding people. So how do we feed people? And we may see an increase in some of those challenges of resources with Saturn in the overcoming square to Venus. And we're going to see that beginning to apply on the 16th and run through the square that happens on the 18th. Now, also, you know, remember, this is still moon out of bounds period, too. So try to maintain the centeredness with your emotions. Oh, Jody says, I'm thinking karma and our natural tendencies will move us towards the north node. Depends. I guess it depends on your perspective. It depends on the culture that you grew up in. It depends on your your personal, um, your character and your personal tendencies. Some people will gravitate towards that north node. Other people will gravitate more towards the south node. Maybe you'll gravitate more towards the north node in one area of your life and more towards the south in the other. Actually, have the North Node exactly conjoined my ascendant. So maybe I'm, you know, in the past, I've had to learn how to deal with my desire to, to be somebody, right? The Leo North Node on the ascendant is like, who, who am I, right? Like, am I somebody like, and, and in my obsession with really, I do have an, a little bit of an obsession with my health and my body and preserving my body and thinking about it and meditating on that. And how can I become balanced with that? One of the things, a practical application of that is recently, I just had some weird, mysterious pains uh, that I thought was a kidney stone. And my poor daughter, you know, manifested an actual kidney stone. Um, And I didn't have a kidney stone, but I was taking a fistful of supplements that I thought were going to help me that I've been taking for a while. And I just kept adding things in. And it was, it was just like, which of these will be the elixir of life? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, I laugh at it now because it's so literal. It was definitely that, it's that, that hungry uh, Rahu um, demon trying to pursue anything that'll preserve life. I think this is a Leo thing too, is how can we become immortal on some level? 
And I finally just had to be like, that's, this, this is too many things. I need to figure out what is really supporting me because that which is I'm trying to support myself with is actually becoming damaging over long-term use. And so there's the moderation part that comes in and the moderation between the, the, two, um, the, two, the two nodes, right? So think about that in your life is there's a, there's a place in your life where you are hungry and you want to have the, that immortal you know, immortality. And then there's a place in your life that you are dealing with letting go of something and you're dealing with an objectivity and having a more spiritualized perspective. You know, the seventh house is related to dealing with the public on some level as well. And here I am dealing with you, uh, all of you, the public, uh, with the south node conjoining my descendant in my natal chart, right? Trying to offer an objective perspective on life. <laughs> and I don't know how, how, you know, objective it actually is. We're all, we all have our own subjective perspectives. Um, yeah, Dimphi's talking about the nodes in, in their chart. Uh, let's see. The north node at 26 or 27 degrees in the third house in Leo. Is that increased rebellion? Um. Oh, it's conjunct Uranus. Yeah, I would say that. But but maybe an increase in wanting to learn a certain way with learning related to that third house, but also an increase of communicating in your own way, um, your own learning style. Um, I would say also third house is related to our daily habits and our routines. I bet your your daily routine is your own. <laughs> it's like not like anyone else's, and maybe you can confirm or deny that. Um, but I'm sure it's unique in the way that you go about your daily travels, your daily habits and routines as well. So that's something to consider. All right. So mo moving on, um, we've got that potential lack of clarity uh, with the sun squaring Neptune that day, confusion over our identity, potentially some weakened vitality. I, because we're maybe trying to spiritualize something, it may make it difficult for our body experience. Um, so there's also this kind of tendency with the moon squared Neptune that I was reading about in the, this book by Ren Butler, the archetypal universe that I like, uh, about trying to appear holy, you know, right? Like trying to appear like, like spiritual um, because it, the sun is wrapped up with identity and, and Neptune maybe with transcendence and trying to you know, transcend the physical world. So just be careful with what you're doing during this day that it, you know, that you aren't actually um, trying to appear spiritual to serve a material need with, with Venus conjoining the North Node in Taurus. So <laughs> that is, that is something. Dimpy says, nail on the head. All right. Yeah, Dimpy, I'm curious. What, what is your unique daily habit and schedule? Like, uh, I've, yeah, it's so funny. Like astrology, it works, doesn't it? Um, so anyway, so, so that's the combination of, of aspects that we're experiencing on the 16th. And again, we'll see this, this perfect on the 18th. With you can see here, Venus is is going to be squaring Saturn. Now remember, we talked about the overcoming position, and Saturn is in the overcoming position to Venus. Now Venus is going to be conjoining the fixed star Algol again 
activating that eclipse degree that we've been dealing with with Mercury retrograde, with the eclipse, uh, the sun on the eclipse there. Um, this is something where we're probably going to feel frustration of desires. This is a place where we could have relationship tests or challenges. Um, some of our natural tendencies are being you know, blocked by some social issues and some social realities, some social narratives. I also think that Venus tended to be related to the, the sacred feminine. Um, and, you know, we've been dealing with some uh, bodily rights issues in America. And maybe we're seeing the culmination of some blocked um, freedoms around that as well, which could be very, very demoralizing, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I think that we're, we're really dealing with some, some challenging um, times and some regressive um, lawmaking around that as well. Um, Eckstein says, I have natal north node conjunct Regulus. Well, I'm sure that's fun. Uh, using true node, it's Virgo. The end degrees of Leo feel like they have a Virgo vibe to them. I'm also biased with natal moon in malefic enclosure in Virgo. Ooh, that's probably not super fun. Um, but yes, the, the you know, my, my ascendant is in that last decade of, of Leo. And um, yeah, I think that there is definitely some challenges around how we project power how we pursue power, uh, how we defend our, our authenticity and our right to be. Um, I've been working with Regulus Oil from Sphere and Sundry, Caitlin Kopik's company. Um, and it, it really, a lot of the magic around that is through just feeling a confidence that is not dependent on external validation and not, um, you know, saying this is who I am and, and this is my deep core confidence. And I don't need you to approve of it. And, and funnily enough, that actually will uh, magnetize approval. This is one of the things that, that she writes in her materia uh, description is, you know, this core, core confidence that, that is not reliant on external validation, which will actually uh, magnetize it towards you. I will say, I will admit today, I usually wear the regulus material when I'm doing these live streams, but today I'm wearing uh, the oil of Fomaha which is uh, at the about five degrees, four or five degrees of Pisces. It's almost like the opposite energy where it's more about creating this spiritualized energy um, where it, there's a charisma trying to, to, to go into the depths of the ocean and unearth occult wisdom. So hopefully Fomahalt is, is this, this talk today is sponsored by Fomahalt oil <laughs> from Spirit Sundry. No, it's not really, but not in any official capacity. But um, really good stuff. I'm really enjoying um, the the material that, that she makes over there. And um, I recommend her stuff. They're, they're good stuff. It's a different energy than Regulus. I will say that. I would say that, that my experience with the Regulus oil, and maybe this can help you understand Regulus in your own chart, is that since Regulus has now proceeded into Virgo, or processed, sorry, processed into Virgo, I would say that my practical... Um, my ability to manage practical reality has gone into overdrive. It's like, oh, I've got to manage all these material details. And it's it's really uh, a nice balance and counterbalance and relief to like feel like I'm in a flow state with the Fomahawk stuff. 
um, where it's more about connecting with the, the spiritual reality rather than the physical detail reality. Um, and I'm enjoying that today. And, and it may not be as uh, concise my talk today, but maybe we're, we're going into the depths of the ocean a little bit more um, and exploring a little bit more like Jacques Cousteau, you know, <laughs> going into the ocean, uh, bringing out a poetic quality that I think that FOMAHA is, is associated with and that I've missed in my life uh, recently. Um, okay, let's keep moving. So that's, that's our Venus conjoining Algol. Now that, that there's also material from Algol, but I would be careful with that stuff. That's, that's not like just wear it for your live stream, unless you, you might have a different type of live stream than I have here. But um, Algol is, is a protective force. Um, and you can really get a good breakdown of, of that fixed star in my talk with S.G. Anderson. So I won't go too long into it today, but uh, it may be about how do we protect women? How do we protect you know, the, a woman's right to choose and, and all the repercussions that come not only for women, but for men in our life as well? Um, this is something I've been really doing research on and it's and I'm I'm not the definitely not an authority on this at all. So please take all of this with a grain of salt. But much of the literature I've been consuming has been about not only what that decision, if we're talking about the Roe and Wade, would have on women, but also just on 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 everyone and the challenges that it would it would make for everyone, and that it's not just going to make it difficult for women. Like this is. You know, there's there's collateral damage with everyone, and and um, it's something that I think that I don't know. I just hope that as a society and as a community, we can kind of uh, find ways to ha make that choice safe for people moving forward because it's just so dangerous. Um, what what is happening that could be happening moving forward for you know young young women especially, and the, the the Gemini three type of difficult forced choice <laughs> that they will have to make. We're bringing it all back in full circle, aren't we? And I know some people out there aren't, aren't going to agree with me on that. And that's okay. Um, that's why I've been wearing regular oil because I don't actually care <laughs> if you agree with me or not. And hopefully that will uh, help us move forward. So anyway, um, I love that we've got the whales for, for Fomahalt with uh, Henry there. It's a, a beautiful little emoji there. Um, so that's about as controversial as I'll get on the show here. I don't want to stir up controversy. Generally, what I hope is that people learn to get along and, and find solutions to their problems. But we're really getting put into situations probably through this Gemini season. And who knows, I haven't been keeping up on the news today, but there was some rumblings that, that the Roe Wade thing may be coming down the pike, potentially even today. Uh, so I, you know, we're really seeing some civil unrest that could potentially be happening with Mars and, and Jupiter coming together at the end of this month as well as people deal with the, the repercussions of, of that decision um, that would make it very difficult for a lot of people. Um, so anyway, I'll move on from that. But I do think that I mentioned that because it just the symbolism seems to match up pretty well with what we're seeing in the news. And I think that we probably could see something related to, to that in the news cycle at this, you know, Venus Saturn square as well. 
Okay. How are y'all doing out there? I didn't alienate like my entire uh, <laughs> my entire community here. Yeah, unfortunately, you know there is, you know, we we are getting polarized on some level. We're being forced to be polarized on some level in this country and in the world. And um, sometimes we do have to kind of, you know, pick pick a cho- pick a side, you know, and and know where have people know where we stand. And um, I try to avoid that as much as possible. But uh, I, I hope for everyone's sake. I think that where I, I I care about people's safety, and I care about uh, people being able to have access to safe um, healthcare. So I, I think that that's what why I'm talking about that today. Okay, let's move forward. Um, when we look at the 19th, you will see a helpful sextile between Venus and Neptune that will hopefully at least be helping to alleviate a little bit of the tension from the Saturn-Venus square. So that's another thing that we'll be perfecting the day after is, you know what I wrote in my notes about this was, you know, because we have frustrated desires, because there is maybe a a, a communal oppression of the sacred feminine, we may be tempted to have some romantic escapism and to just like, just check out a little bit. I could see that with Venus sextiling Neptune and Pisces being like, you know, we're disappointed with the Saturn Venus square. Now we are trying to to surrender to maybe a more spiritual perspective around that. And I think that that could be something um, that we were experiencing directly after that, the perfection of that square. Oh, da, 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 da. having opinions. This is the thing as a as a Leo ascendant. One of the things that I think you work through is ultimately at the end of the day, all the Leos in your life just want to be loved. And sometimes when you have like some third deck in Leo stuff, you have to kind of take a stand and you have to kind of not care what people think about you um, to be in alignment with your own authenticity. And that's been a hard lesson for me to learn because I really, at the end of the day, I like to be someone who is a peacemaker. And sometimes when you become clear about where you stand about certain things, you can't help but find yourself in places of conflict. And it's really uncomfortable for me. But I do think that sometimes you do have to um, figure out what is righteous and what is uh, worth, you know, the vulnerability of authenticity. So uh, thank you for for uh, allowing me that today. Um, Remco, thank you so much for your donation. I really appreciate you. Thank you for your super chat. Uh, If if you all want to make a material donation to the work that we're doing today, there's a little thing called a super chat or a super sticker. It's a little dollar sign in the chat box. And that is a way to show your support today for the the work that we're doing together. Also, if you're consuming this content after the fact, there's something called a super thanks, which is a little heart surrounded a dollar sign on the description of the video. And that is another way to show your support. And really, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, let's move on. Two more aspects in Gemini 3. We're seeing June 20th, Mercury is going to make a sextile to Jupiter. 
uh, from Gemini 1 to Aries 1. So again, Jupiter is, is bringing us the impetus to expand our desire to have independence, an independence of action, independence for our own consciousness, our own desires. You know, it's, it's in a place where we have to, you know, T. Susan Chang, it's a really great way of talking about the, the twos uh, as, as relational. And in, in Aries, the relationship is, what do we want to conquer? You know, uh, the two of wands says, what, which dominion do we want to conquer? Which, which new territory are we going to, um, you know, establish? And it's going to be sextiling Mercury. So there may be a lot of options to assert your, your own independence around this or, or desire to at least. And again, Mars is here helping to assert independence. I, I'm observing on this day that Mars is at the sun's degree of exaltation at 19 degrees of, of uh, Aries. So there may be some real desires to in, assert ourselves and say, this is who we are. This is who we're not. And, you know, let us be. Okay. So that leads us also on this day to a, a last quarter moon square. So here is the last quarter moon. I'm going to make it exact on here. This is happening at 29 degrees of, of both, sorry, we're in the two hour mark and this is when Spencer gets hungry. <laughs> so we'll try to go a little quicker here. Um, this is the, the sun squared the moon in Pisces. The moon is at 29 Pisces and the sun is at 29 Gemini. So that choice that we had to make, we'll have an awareness of the sacrifices required for that choice. Um, we may be tempted to go to emotional extremes at this last quarter moon too, uh, specifically because the, that last decan of, of Pisces is ruled by a daimon called Elpis, which roughly translates to hope. But that decan, they speak a lot about uh, morose, doom versus Elpis, which is hope and the emotional extremes that are necessary to bring our very idealistic vision into reality. Now, I talked about sort of my position on that a little bit, but I will point out that people on the other side, the other philosophical side of that question, feel just as passionately, passionately about that and are willing to sacrifice many things for that vision. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're having philosophical debates is when they are emotionally charged, the, the person on the other side of that debate feels ju just as much like they are the hero of their own story, whether they're misguided or not. And, and, and sometimes in those situations, we, who knows who, who is right and who is wrong. And but keep it is important to keep that in mind, even if the person is very wrong ethically, they see themselves as the hero of their own story. And if you understand that, that can, that can, I think that can help you to unravel those knots a little bit. I don't know exactly what the answer is in the issue we're talking about today as far as like what needs to be done moving forward. I, I'm, I'm just an astrologer on YouTube, so I'm not going to solve all of the ills of society in, in one live stream. But 
at least we can recognize that, that the astrology is supporting some of those discussions. So this may be a time where you're having to let go of maybe some of your idealism to make that choice and infuse something into a body uh, to be nurtured moving forward. So this is definitely a mind versus heart type of last quarter moon square. So keep that in mind as we as we move into cancer season. Okay, let's talk about cancer. I'm going to stop my share here. Everybody doing okay? I'm going to check in the chat box here. Is there any questions before I move into the last decade? We are at the two hour and 20 minutes section here and no one can accuse me of <laughs> not being thorough. Thank you so much, everyone, for sticking with me so long. You all are such a dedicated community, um, and I I'm really grateful for all of you. And um, I hope that we're helping you find some peace today. Uh, so let's talk cancer. We're looking at the first decade of cancer, which coincides with the summer solstice. And the summer solstice this year happens on June the 21st. And this is the point in the sky where the sun gets to its highest points, the longest day of the year in the northern hemisphere. And it is a time when we are sw we switch direction. This is something that also is not only related to the transition from Gemini to Cancer, but we can think about Gemini, I'm sorry, we can think about Cancer as being this crab that moves sideways, that moves backwards. We could see that with the sun, with getting to the peak declination and then being like, oops, I'm going to start changing direction and I'm going to start uh, rising slightly less high in the sky at noon. So this is our point of peak vitality and fertility. Uh, you know, things are, are, are impregnant and, and growing. We're thinking about what we want to nurture. Um, we're thinking about what we want to uh, bring to full form, full fruition, and what is necessary, what resources do we need to bring something fully to full term? What do we need to give? You know, it's again, cancer, as I was talking about earlier in the show, cancer is really about give and take. You'll find that the Cancerian people in your life have this unspoken agreement. I will take care of you as long as you take care of me. You know, it's, it's not like this Piscean energy where it's like, take everything just take it all you know it's the generosity of jupiter right and venus uh cancer is like mm, i'm lunar i'm jupiterian right because jupiter is exalted in cancer right it, it, it's, i was reading in austin Coppock's book that something nurtured by jupiter is going to grow to full fruition because it has everything it needs right so there is this generosity with cancer but it is lunar it waxes and it wanes. Sometimes you, as a Cancerian, I, I go through this all the time. Sometimes I am very generous with what I'm giving. Other times I'm, I'm a consumer. You know, I'm consuming things and I, and I like, you know, throwing a tantrum about being taken care of in a certain way. This is why people like rag on cancers a lot. Sometimes, you know, both of these signs, Gemini and Cancer, get a little bit of a get dragged a little bit in, in pop astrology. You know, Gemini, because of the what they perceive as the fickleness, because of the choices that the difficult choices that they have to be made, and, and Cancer sometimes about the sensitivity, you know, the, the 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 sensitive emotions and the desire to be nurtured as well as to nurture and to cling to others. Um, 
I think that if you're dealing with Cancerian energy, this this first decan is called mother and child, zero to 10 degrees of cancer. Uh, in Austin Copic book, 36 Faces, T. Susan Chang calls it The Dance Begins, which I think is a great title, which is referencing the beginning of the Egyptian New Year and the flooding of the Nile and the return of fertility to the Nile River Valley. Venus and the moon rule this decan. So we have this union, this awareness of the other, this emotional awareness of what we want to nurture, what we love, okay? What what seeds we want to bring to fruition. Um. We can think of this as a an awareness when the sun moves into this decan of all of the things that we um, we need to produce the like the milk. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would not be surprised to see some solutions with the baby formula thing happening when the sun moves into the cancer first decan of cancer because it's such a cancerian issue. Um, but as, as mothers, as lunar creatures, we have to consume things to be able to provide things. A mother, when they're pregnant, needs to consume an enormous amount of food to provide for two beings, right? So we have that cycle, the mother consuming to provide for the child. We also have the consumption of the child in sort of almost like this parasitic way, uh, that is consuming, literally consuming the body of the mother. So we have this relationship of give and take, of, of consuming and giving, nurturing. And I think that it's, it's really, really important to think about that in, in cancer and to think about the moon as a, as a cycle of growth, but also the cycle of decay, also the cycle of taking. You know, the, the, they, they talk about in the decans of cancer, the rulers are Nike, Hercules, and Hecate. And in the final decan of Cancer, it's like the, the crone phase of the moon that is, is related to the, the cycle of life and death. So this is something to meditate on with this. I think of the difference with the moon as being a timekeeper, as the moon is more about cyclical time. Saturn is also a timekeeper. But I think Saturn is more about longer periods of time that are more finite, I would say. Yes, Saturn is cyclical, but the moon is more immediately cyclical, if that makes sense. Um, so let's see, we have a question here. Are these regressive legal measures, although it's not on par, I'm also... I'm also thinking of the absurd um, attempt to crack down on Nomo May, reflective of Saturn late degrees. Is that a thing? Like, are, is there a crackdown on people upset that we're letting our lawns go for the benefit of pollinating insects? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's uh, it just blows my mind that we're so attached to like this, yeah, regressive tendencies because really, Here's what it is. Here's another digression, and I'll be brief about this, but you know what lawns are representative of? And those of you in, in Europe and England in particular can speak to this. It's really like if you had a lawn, that was indicative of wealth. You know, that was saying, hey, I'm of a certain class because I have this land that is really used for nothing. <laughs> you know, it's used to just sit on and just to look nice. It's not used to grow anything. 
It's not used to like create beauty. It's just like this like opulent like display of land wealth. And this is a big dis discussion I've been having with my partner as we've purchased this home. Uh, is we want to tear out most of this yard and put in pollinators because lawns don't serve a purpose. They just, you know, yeah, your kids can play on it for a little bit. But that's also what parks are for. You know, go play in the park. And, you know, maybe we can put some natural habitat in for the pollinators that are really suffering right now. Um, so, yes, it is. It's a class war on some level, lawns versus pollinator habitats. So, yeah, privilege. Exactly. Lawns are a privilege. So it's really it's fascinating that this is, discussion is being brought up. We can always find these meanings in, in interesting uh, places. So if you want to be a you're a Uranus and Taurus revolutionary, don't mow your fucking lawn. <laughs> like let your lawn grow and let the bees have their flowers. It is in this day and age, a revolutionary act. If you want to be super badass, pay the fine, you know, just let yourself get a ticket and be like, well, fuck you. Or don't pay the fine. <laughs> like, like, Sorry to get emotional about it, but it's just like, what a stupid thing for people to be you know, upset about in a government. Although I will say it was pointed out to me that really the reason why they find people, especially in the city that I live in, is because we've gotten into this type of thing where finding people is a way to fund city governments. So it's, who knows, but I digress. Uh, grow some flowers, grow some natural pollinators. The bees and the insects need our help. Don't use your leaf blower 24 seven uh, get electric tools so that you can, you know, people can read their books. Uh, get off my lawn moment. <laughs> like, sorry. All right, let's move. Let's move on. Um, so we're, we're coming back. We're circling back around to the cancer, uh, first decan of cancer. And I, I think that um, it's important to, to think about how you want to be nurtured how you want to nurture others, what you need so that you can be strong for other people. What kind of self-care can you, can you provide for yourself so that you can be that person that, that is able to provide like a goose does for its young? That's the animal we were speaking of today as, as, as a, a supportive symbol for our month. What do you need to protect your family? What do you need to protect your domestic sphere? What do you need instead of what is going to be consumed from you? Because it's hard to provide for other people if you yourself haven't fed yourself, haven't gotten sleep, haven't taken in something, right? Because the moon, remember, the moon collects the light of the sun. It collects the vital spirit to be able to infuse it into a body. So as Cancerians, we need to collect vital vitality and collect spirit so that we in turn can give it to those who need it. And, and that brings me to another point. During cancer season, if you just become the hungry consumer and you aren't providing nurturing for others, then the cycle is imbalanced. And you, you do become that toxic cancer that people talk about, the, the whiny baby that, that needs to be like, whose feelings are... are so important to everyone that they, you know, throw a temper tantrum if they don't get what they want, right? I've done it. I've been up, up out of balance sometimes. Uh, 
But when we come into balance, we have the equal exchange of, of giving and receiving, like we see in the Two of Cups, right? This, this balance of yin and yang energy. Okay. Um, yeah, we've got people commenting about the ridiculousness of enforcing no mome, and, and they are enforcing it. I, I had someone that posted on our neighborhood um, page that they got a ticket, which was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, pl place of stillness. Manu lives in Sweden, where <laughs> they probably think this is ridiculous. But yes, they will find you in America if you do not keep your lawn a certain length. They will they will give you a ticket and say you have to pay us money because you because we're offended by the length of your lawn. <laughs> like, um. Okay. The seagrass is always greener on someone else's lake. Yeah, so we gave back to the sea. Um, and Jody says we all get out of balance sometimes. Yeah, and there's different ways we can get out of balance, right? Um, like the in the Gemini season, we can get out of balance with our thoughts. Our thoughts can be overwhelming. With cancer, we can get out of balance about our security and saying, what do we need? Oh, we're, we're going to hoard versus, you know, giving away our abundance. This is the theme, the progression of cancer is we, we take in what we need to provide. We have this balanced celebrate celebratory abundance of the second decade of cancer. And then we have this rejection of excess or figuring out what, what we need to do with the excess, like generously in the third decade of cancer. So yes, it is uh, something to think about with that progression. Um, all right. So we've got various levels of incredulousness happening in the chat box about people being fined for mowing their yards or not mowing their yards, actually. Strange times we live in, right? So let's look at the chart here. Let's finish this up. This is a long one today. I'm thinking I'm probably going to go three hours today, but so it goes. It's Gemini season. Um, let's see. So here we're looking at June the 21st through July the 1st. And the first aspect that we see coming to fruition, excuse me, is Venus trining Pluto. So this is probably the point where we've had the disappointment with the square with Saturn. We've gotten the, uh, the ticket from the city because we didn't mow our lawn. And at this point, with Venus trining Pluto, we've probably taken a dump in a paper bag, lit it on fire, and left it on the steps of City Hall. So, you know, this, this, is, this is the moment of rebellion, uh, you know, where we are trying to uh, maybe make a change, potentially, to, or if we're not going to be babies about it, we are filing a petition with the city that says that's outlining all of our reasonings why pollinators are important to our communities and why we should change these worthless laws around it so we are taking and trying to redeem something and trying to unearth the plutonic challenges the the repressed emotions now the, the, what i will say about this is it? Yeah, Beth says, is it power bar time? I wish I could get a power bar. I wish my partner was here to just toss me a snack. 
because <laughs> this is what you get in, in the third hour of Spencer's Hungry at Lunchtime is flaming sacks of poo on City Hall. <laughs> no bees, no beads. Oh, man. Sorry. A little punchy today. Um, so, uh, so Venus in the third decan of, of Taurus is going to say, hey, we've got to remedy those past emotions. And what we need to work on is we need to make sure that we are not getting too too manipulative, too, uh, I guess, dark-sided about how we are dealing with creating harmony. Because when Venus can, you know, makes an aspect with Pluto, there can be some manipulative tendencies in relationships where we're, we're trying to get to the core of things, but we may do it in a way that is a little bit nefarious. And thank you so much, Jody, for the super chat. You are amazing as well, my friend. Thank you for the words of encouragement. Rachel's asking if I, I don't have a snack drawer. I do have a snack drawer, um, but it's it's over. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just filled with chocolate. Oh, hold on a second. Um, talk amongst yourselves for like five seconds. That was a great idea, Rachel. My secret, my secret chocolate bar will power me through the rest of this live stream. I apologize for my eating sounds. Um, this is one of the things that your donations are going towards is 80% uh, dark chocolate. Uh, that is uh, very good for your brain. And there's a little bit of a blood sugar boost. <laughs> oh man, you you all are such an amazing group that put up with my tomfoolery. Like there's there's thirty of you that are still hanging out with me, two hours and thirty seven minutes later, <laughs> hearing me ramble on about this stuff. Um, all right, so that should that should boost my brain up a little bit. Thank you, Beth, for the super. Uh, the super sticker and the the interesting um, hippopotami there, a dangerous animal actually, very protective of their young. Um, <laughs> the man who says that the sure microphone is buffering the smacking. Well, yeah, sorry. I've I've often said that I should start an a ASMR channel channel with this sure SM7B microphone, which is a very uh, an amazing microphone. You can hear pretty much everything. You know, if I if I do these little sounds like this a little asmr part of the show <laughs> sorry okay tanya is saying nourish yourself so you can nourish others right demonstration yes there you go i love how you brought that full circle that is amazing um because sometimes uh us cancerian folks will give to the point where we just don't have any light left to give and we have to to uh to to nourish to be able to get ourselves going sorry i'll try not to talk too much with my mouth full thank you extreme for your donation you are awesome oh my god hungry hippos mm -hmm. i remember that that was a game from our childhood where you had to like smash this button a million times and collect all the like marbles with these hippos 
what what games they, they're like can you smash this hippo like fast enough to gain all the marbles all right all right so thank you for your patience folks all right i'm charged up now i've gotten some chocolate a little bit of caffeine in my body let's do it you ready to go through the aspects for cancer three i want to just say i love all of you you're an awesome community thanks for putting up with me all right <clears throat> on the 22nd of june we have venus our lady venus moving into gemini so you can see that now we have venus moving out of the same sign of the north node and uranus and moving together with mercury so now venus will be together uh, with the host mercury and this is probably going to lead to a desire to diversify our interests right this is something where we could expand our horizons and our taste we're going to say what do we really want we we've we've seen the challenges of just pursuing material desire potentially with the, the, the Venus Saturn square and the conjoining the North node. And now we may be attracted more towards like more ideal things. Maybe this is a great time to uh, read a few books. Hopefully we'll have book club fired up by then and we'll, we'll have an ability to uh, meet up as a group and, and discuss things. Words could get sweeter around this period of time. Uh, this could be sort of a, a thing that could help us to communicate in a way that is you know, conciliatory rather than divisive. So uh, there should be some interesting things around Venus moving into the first decan of Gemini. Um, but definitely your sense of woo might increase through through your voice, through your, your intellect, through your ability to be rational and to share information with others. Okay. Rachel says, I feel like we should all grab our tea and coffee at this point. Yeah. If you're sticking with me here, grab a snack you know, like get your tea, get, your, get a little bite of something, you know, let's have lunch together. This is like sort of like one of, there's another astrologer that I'm, I'm friends with. Uh, she has these thing called eat and greets, Stormy, Stormy Grace. So <laughs> she's a Taurus son. And you, there was the funny, one of the funniest ones I've ever seen is with uh, Michael Bryan, who is also a Taurus son. And he was like the first person that actually took her up on the like let's actually eat lunch while we're discussing astrology <laughs> like so forgive me thank you um so let's talk about the 27th let's move keep moving forward and we'll, we'll wrap this one up thank you for your encouragement tammy i appreciate appreciate you okay so we've got venus and gemini and it's going to be moving with Mercury, um, we also are going to be experiencing a sextile as we get to the 27th between Mars and Saturn. So Saturn's moving backwards. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mars is moving through the third decan of Aries. And this is really a decan that's related to charisma. Um, Eros is the daimon or spirit of that decan, where we're really trying to gain a following. So there may be some some things where we're utilizing our charisma to be able to uh, make some communal change, uh, to unravel the old narrative. Um, instead of like just using brute force, 
this 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 decan of of Aries is actually Venus ruled. So maybe we use our charm. Maybe we use a little bit of a humor to be able to to move forward with our life. So that's something to consider on the twenty seventh. Now I will also warn you that the moon will be moving out of bounds from the twenty sixth of June to to the end of the month. So this is another time where we may be feeling a little bit like the body is is taxed. The emotions are a little bit in, in wide extremes on some level. Um, so this is a combination with Mars and Saturn of action and discipline. So we may be able to take actions that are charismatic, but also sober and able to take the long range view in, in, into mind. I love the combination of air and fire signs here because that those those ideas can really fuel action that can can lead us into to movement. Okay, Spencer's lunch and learn. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Stormy's got eat and greet. We've got the lunch and learn. Well, we'll yeah, I think I might borrow that, uh, Xtine. That's great. <laughs> lunch and learn, because it is. It is like we're having a like a. It's like a European lunch, though. It's not an American lunch where you get in and you eat for half an hour and they kick you out. I feel like the European lunches that like you sit there for two or three hours and just, you know, have a, a nice long conversation with somebody. Is that true, European friends? Is this, you have a lunch and, and then maybe a siesta if we're going to Spain? Manu is going to have to tell us about siesta in Spain eventually here. All right, let's move forward to the, 20, the 28th. Uh, the 28th is actually another big day with multiple aspects like we saw um, on, the, <clears throat> on the 16th previously. On the 28th of June, the first thing that happens in this coloring pretty much the entire day is that Neptune is going to be moving retrograde. So it's stationing and moving retrograde in the, the last degrees of Pisces. So this is something where we may be reviewing some of the sacrifices that we've made over the last few months while Jupiter and Mars and Venus and all those planets move through there. And what have we really had to give up for the dream and for whatever crusade or, or even illusion that we've, we've had? So we may have to kind of go back and retrace our steps when it comes to that and, and the, the ability to, to have transcendence. Um, so we're also seeing simultaneously the new moon in Cancer. Okay, and I'll talk about that. And that new moon will be making a square almost an exact square to Jupiter. So hold on, I'll draw these two together. So we've got Neptune stationing, Jupiter in the overcoming square to the sun and the moon, the new moon in Cancer, and, and then Venus is going to be sextiling Jupiter as well. So Venus and Jupiter are having a positive conversation. We're having a new moon, a, a, a new start, when, it, when, it, when we're talking about what we need to nurture us moving forward. Although this is what I will say, Jupiter being in the first decan of Aries is probably going to be making it more important about what do we want versus how are we nature, nurturing others. So there's probably a, an expansive quality of like, I'm gonna do my own thing and everyone else can kind of like suck it, you know? So. It, that that is going to be the tension with this new moon is that we really are going to be feeling inspired towards independence rather than like these mutually beneficial relationships that cancer one is requiring um that being said 
Jupiter making an overcoming square is not necessarily a bad thing in Hellenistic astrology. Um, Jupiter's not super comfortable in, in Mars's house, but anytime Jupiter is making an overcoming anything, that can lead to some beneficial things. So I think that really with squares, there is a possibility to reconcile the, the disparate energies, whereas at the oppositions, it's much more difficult. So maybe to be able to provide for others, you do need to understand what you really do need yourself. And I think that that could be something where we could have some really great epiphanies around this new moon is saying, oh, you know, for me to really, you know, do a three hour live stream, I should probably have a snack, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I should get up and go, go get something from my secret secret candy drawer, <laughs> candy closet here. So this is something where you in your life may have something really uh, amazing happening in your Aries topic, right? The house that Aries is placed in your chart. In this case, this is an Aquarius, an arbitrary Aquarius rising chart, you know, and there's a new moon in the sixth house of this chart, maybe a new learning experience, a new habit, a new routine is helping someone to feel like they are being supported properly in their work, in their, you know, the, the habits that they're creating in their health, things of that nature. So keep in mind that all of these things are happening simultaneously at this, this new moon in Cancer. Now, this is also conjoining uh, a fixed star called Mirzum at about seven degrees of Cancer. And uh, that, that was a, a fixed star in, in um, I believe that's in one of the, the dogs, Canis Minor. And Mirzum was an, an announcer that was, I believe that that one was called Before the Dog, which it basically is one of the fixed stars that appears before a much more important fixed star in Egyptian astrology called Sirius, which announced the flooding of the, the River Nile. So there may be something that happens that is a precursor to something much more important that we'll see moving forward. So there may be some important messages that you're receiving that are the initiation of a process around this new moon and you can see that that is also supported with the sextile with venus and jupiter some something you're receiving that will lead you to take actions that will lead to greater sovereignty and independence moving forward um yeah and cookerzilla is asking how the overcoming square influences this decan um well you know the 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 decan of Aries is, is trying to, to separate from the body, from the mother. So that's the tension that we see here is because the first decan of Cancer is trying to unify with, you know, the mother and the child and what we need to be nurtured. Whereas the first decan of Aries is trying to, to separate from the collective, to be an individual point of consciousness. Think about it almost as like the infant, you know, being born, severing the umbilical cord. So we have to decide how do we reconcile that desire to sever from the maternal influence and also be simultaneously supported by it or by another maternal influence, whatever we need to nurture. So that's probably part of the tension that we're feeling is our independence versus, you know, our commitment to our family, our domesticity, uh, our, you know, how we create a home and things of that nature. Does that, does that answer your question, um, Cooker? 
I, I feel like I'm talking to your cat now. Now that I know that that's the name of your cat. Hey, Cooker, how you doing, little guy? Are you understanding this, little kitty? <laughs> Cooker's like meow, 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 meow. That's a good point. Meow, meow. <laughs> so this isn't actually Cookerzilla. This is actually this cat that I'm just <laughs> talking to in this chat. Yeah. I have conversations with my cats all the time, so I mean it's, it's perfectly normal. It's it's wonderful that you've been able to train your cat to participate in this chat. And I'm all I can picture now is that that uh, that gif or gif of the cat like typing on the keyboard, <laughs> just at, at lightning speed. Sorry, this is a this is a a, <laughs> a funny one today. What's in the air? Where's the moon today? It's in Pisces, isn't it? Okay, so the moon's in Pisces. So all the filters are gone today. So and and I I doubled down on it by wearing the uh the the oil of Fomaha, which is also a Pisces moon Jupiter election. So this is the Piscean uh show today. All right. So that is those are really the the aspects with all the aspects we have in the first decade of Cancer. So that's kind of what we've got for the astrology of the month. Um, so let's let's move on to the divinatory part of the show where we talk about the I Ching and the animal a little bit. And we've kind of been exploring it as we've gone along. And if there's any questions, <laughs> Spencer, yeah, man who said Spencer talking to his imaginary friends. I mean, that's really what I'm doing here, isn't it? I mean, you all are sort of real, <clears throat> but I'm pretending like, I'm not pretending I'm, I'm, I'm acting as though you're in the room with me because you are sort of, we're together in spirit. Uh, Rachel says, I feel like cats could sit and listen intently for as long as we gather. Yes, they could. Uh, and go, if you haven't already, go check out the reel that I made of my, my cat Gandalf, who was just sitting on my lap and was just staring at me for like a minute. And I, I cut that with uh, him yawning at, at a very poignant moment in Hart's song Alone from the mid-80s, where she does this, Ann Wilson does this amazing banshee scream, and I tried to time it perfectly so that he just stares at at you (laughs) for like 30 seconds and then erupts into the banshee scream. Uh, So yeah. All right. Putting a bow on this uh, as we approach hour number three. Again, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to to here today, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a donation to the Chocolate Fund, throw me a super chat or a super sticker or a super thanks. It's so much appreciated. Let's talk a little bit about the goose first. So the goose is an animal that is very much committed to its family, which I think is good for what we're talking about with cancer season as we wrap up June here. Uh, this is an animal that will bond to, to, I'm looking at 13 interesting goose facts that were sent to me by my lovely partner, Tanya Andrews of Third Coast Mojo. Check out her materia at Third Coast Mojo. There's some really good stuff over there, new stuff coming. Follow her on Instagram. And the first one says goslings will bond to anything. It's a, they say that whatever a gosling sees when they first hatch, they will bond to. This includes anything that moves, whether it is alive or not. They may also include people if you happen to be around. So we have to consider what are you bonding to in this cycle? You've, you've eliminated things at this past uh, lunar eclipse. Now, what are you going to commit to? You know, you've, you've explored all the choices. You've explored all the possibilities. Now, what are we going to bond to and, and, and nurture and commit to? 
Um, geese are very social animals. They, they live in these flocks. So taking care of pe people uh, is very important. Um, they're very loyal to their families. If you've ever gone out on a walk around a lake, and we have plenty of them in Michigan, geese are very messy. They will poop everywhere. So that's one thing you have to w watch out for their landmines. But also if you get too near any of them or their babies, I mean, they will mess you up. They will get very upset. A lot of them will chase you or bite you. Um, but they're very protective of their young. So that's important to think about as we move forward into June. Both parents participate in raising the young. So if you know if you have a family dynamic where the the <clears throat> the uh, the responsibilities have been a little imbalanced, it might be time to bring some more balance to to your situation and and diversify uh, the responsibilities and, and maybe bring that back into balance. Um, you know, nesting is another uh, signification that I think we can see. They also mate for life. So I, I think that even even if uh, one of the geese dies, the the partner that remains will stay uh, sort of a, a widow or a widower for the rest of their goose life. Um, so it's very important, or commitments are really important around this period of time. Um, they also talk about in in some of the literature staying true to your, to your own life purpose, like surrounding yourself with loved ones, but also staying true to yourself, which I think that, that we talked about with the Jupiter square of the new moon in Cancer, because I think that our tendency with Cancerians, if you, if you get a little bit out of balance, you can give too much and you're not taking your own needs into consideration. And I think that as we demonstrated with needing a little snack to power through the end here, You've got to take your own needs into consideration if you want to be able to provide a nurturing environment and not digress into into loopy silliness, right? Um, so take time for your own life and also try not to meddle too much in other people's lives as well. This is another thing that I'm guilty of is is wanting to protect people to the point of like getting way overly involved in people's lives, and that can be challenging as well. And I'm learning the lessons of this having a, a a daughter that's transitioning from high school to college and you know take care of your cancer people whose adult children are starting to become more independent because it's not an easy <laughs> it's not an easy transition for us who are trying to to um protect the what is what will always be a, a little vulnerable thing on some level in our minds right okay looking at the chat here uh remco says you might have benefited from the sphere of sundry quick tongue oil. <laughs> I probably needed that today. Um, what is it? Yeah, probably I needed that today. I'm very Pisces with uh, th that stuff today. I like it though. It, it feels good. It may be a little bit of a, a um, not as concise in some of the Virgo uh, people, I may be offending some of the Virgo people in, in my community today because I didn't get straight to the point. But you know, <laughs> there, will, there will be other days. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, Jody says a goose was chasing me at a, at, a, at a yoga retreat. Well, you know, maybe it's telling you to pay attention to your family. <laughs> I don't know. Extein uh, says that they get silly with uh, sphere and sundry quick silver tongue as well. Yeah, I'm I'm wearing foma oil today, so this is this is. This is the uh, the wizard star that you're getting a full a full face of you know diving deep into the ocean here, with our you know going with the flow. Jody says adult children are so awesome. Yeah, well, 
you know, they're, they're not, they're still, they're still your children. Like there's, you still love them, right? Whether they're adults or whether they're little babies. So yeah, it, it is a, we'll figure it out. Um, let's see. So let's talk a little bit about, um, well, thank you, Dimpy. Dimpy says, don't worry, you, you've raised her and that's enough. She knows. <laughs> Somebody's going to freeze frame that and make a gift being like a cancer trying to, uh, you know, ride the wave of a transitioning adult uh, child into the world. <laughs> yeah, I'll freeze it again. <laughs> That's the face that we all make. Um, and that brings us to our hexagram of the day, which is number 28, which is called greatness and excess, too much, overload, critical mass, taking a stand, setting priorities and making choices, which I think fit really well with the choice, with the over abundance of pathways that we have with Gemini season. And we, we, we feel maybe a little bit overwhelmed at the at the beginning of this month, where we finally have to let go of some things and make a choice. Uh, so, you know, this is a breaking point where we feel the maximum strain of our thoughts of our pathways. And there's a changing line. It says, it's the first changing line at the very bottom of the hexagram. It says spreading the white Kogan grasses as an offering mat, no blame. So this was this was uh, this I Ching hexagram talks about lowering a very heavy roof onto a structure that we're building, and we're trying to protect the 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 the, the ridge pole which holds up the roof of the of the house. And sometimes, if we put too much weight on it, it can sag. Uh, and in this case, we're talking about the very beginning of what we are going to of the lowering process of putting the roof on the house. So they spread these white grasses in preparation of some kind of religious devotional offering. So this changing line speaks to preparing very well for the large project that you may be working on for the transition. We've gone through a shedding of our skin at the at the eclipse. Now we have a new reality that we're trying to make sense of. And it, it talks about being earnest at the beginning of this, this great enterprise, whatever it is. For, for myself, it's homeownership. For you, it might be something different. Um, but caution, seriousness, remember Saturn is still overcoming all this stuff. Uh, devotion to a task, you know, really committing to it. You know, if you're gonna do something, do it and commit to it with your whole heart. This is this is a Cancerian tendency, I think. When I'm in for something, I am 100% in it. I'm, I am just like, all right, I'm doing this, you know? And you really have to be committed to it, to, to bring it to its full fruition. Um, so getting in the right mindset for growth. If you're not fully committed to being a parent, you're going to be a bad parent. You know, if you're, if you're not fully committed to your project, you're going to be a bad steward of that project. So, so having the, the commitment of the goose um, can really help you with this moving forward. So plan carefully, be meticulous with your plans without getting too overwhelmed with the details, right? Pay attention to the details. Um, it, it talks about th this is a very involved task or project that needs a lot of planning and prep. Now, that changing line is changing to the hexagram number 43, which is called resolution, resoluteness, determination, decisiveness, speaking forthrightly, eliminating hesitation, and making up your mind. So once you have you know, made your choice, Gemini 3 transitioning to Cancer, that's when you have to say, all right, I'm in. 
let's do it. Let's let's not hesitate. Let's not hem and haw. Let's not change our mind. If you've let go of the other choices, the things that you you determined were your priorities, commit to it 100%. Be there. Show up every day. Nurture it. You can't nurture something by overwatering it and then neglecting it. You have to just show up, water it the amount it needs to be watered, then let nature do a little bit of things, back off, water it again, back off. This is how you deal with a teenager. I'm finding as you, you nurture it and then you give it space and then you have to nurture it a little more and then you give it some more space. And some days when you want to nurture it, it needs space. And sometimes when you need space, <laughs> it wants nurturing. Um, that's, that's dealing with an adolescent or even, you know, an adult child at some point. Um, because they're going through their own journey of trying to establish their own sovereignty and, um, you know, roles are changing and it's confusing. You know, there's all sorts of changes going on for everybody in those situations. So think about this period of time as you've got a, a, a child that needs nurturing and sometimes they, they need you and other times they need space and you have to be able to use your intuition to tune in to when that, when that, what is appropriate in that moment. And, and it'll be confusing because one moment you'll need to be very involved. And another moment you'll have to go eat some, some, uh, <laughs> you have to go eat some secret closet chocolate and just feel your feelings. All right. So making a breakthrough, eradicating any previous doubt, and that's going to lead to success as we move forward. Okay. So that is our, our show for today. We're hitting the three hour mark. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate all of you. Thank you for for <laughs> hanging out and dealing with my silliness. If you've made it this far, you are a true, true fan. Thank you for all the super chats and the super stickers today. Um, please sign up for the Decans of Gemini webinar and we can talk at length and, and have a good talk. I will uh, work on the book club thing. So it's in process. Uh, please join me on Friday. I believe at 2 p.m. Eastern time, I will have Stephanie Warner here to talk about the new moon in Gemini. Um, you, you will see that soon. I will start promoting that uh, today or tomorrow. So keep it, sign up for the email list if you want to know when that's going to be and when future live streams are going to be. You can find that in the description of this video. Uh, and I'm looking at the chat just to see all of you. Some great comments here. Thank you so much. Um, you know, let's see. Manu says, I, I love that. We'll start traveling in Gemini 3 and be on the road in Cancer 1 when the old is no longer there to cling to. So there's the space to tend to the seedlings. All right. Well, good luck on your journey, Manu. Uh, Dimphy is saying the, the nurturing will be lifelong and goes both ways, for which I am grateful. Absolutely. Uh, yes, parenting is a lifelong endeavor. And um, I hope to have a, uh, we all can have great relationships with our, our children as they grow into adulthood and cheer on their successes and, and also be vulnerable if, they, if we need their help too, because they teach us all the time, right? Uh, thank you so much for your, your comments, everyone, today. Uh, please, if you are enjoying these videos in this channel, hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave me a comment if you're listening after the fact. Uh, these chats are so much fun for me. I really love showing up and, and spending time with all of you. And make sure if you have a kitty or, or a puppy that you uh, give them the love that they deserve today too and give them a little scritch for me. And um, I'll see you the next time, okay? Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Peace.